Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. my friends to the show that never ends there's still time the AFTN Soccer Show broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful and very wet British Columbia I'm Michael McCall and I'm Zachary Adamizenheimer and we're back with another packed show it doesn't matter that the Whitecaps weren't playing this weekend. We've still got a lot to talk about. We're going to be talking Whitecaps. We're going to be talking MLS. We're going to be talking Canadian Premier League. We're going to look at some stories from around the footballing world. It's going to give us a, a chance to, to do this. Yeah, so much. Uh, another week, another packed show, and another week, Zach, where someone has pissed me right off and it's had me thinking, why why do I even bother doing things? And you'll know what I'm talking about because you were on the same call as me. Yeah. One ten in the morning, a CSA call for Canada before the Japan game. Absolute waste of our time <laughs> even being on it. I, 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 like, yes, I agree with you. A waste of time. I enjoyed it because I... Well, we yeah. didn't hear the first ten minutes because I had it on mute. Yes, but it was still like I enjoy it. I, those all those ones that I've been on. I've I've enjoyed being on them. But yeah, it is frustrating because actually this time I thought, oh, maybe I'll get to ask, ask a question. Now, did you know I read or heard somewhere, read somewhere there was like a, a considerable amount of Japanese media in that room. Yeah, there was over a hundred Japanese yeah. media. Yeah, it was Which, crazy. The, the problem was when they sent the call out. They did not indicate that it was in a media room and kind of made it sound it was for Canadian media. And I was like, who else is going to go on at 110? Hey, Zach, do you want to go on the call? And there was four of us on the Zoom call. And I mean, I, I could go on in a big rant. I did email. Uh, I've got another email that I want to send them about it because I, I was raging staying up to that time. And then the, the reply we got back was, oh, just come on the call at 6 a.m. Pacific time. And we'll make sure you get some questions asked. It's like, I went to bed at 2 a.m. Why am I going to get up in less than four hours to go on another call? Yeah, remember, I asked you before. I was like, oh, before I yeah. go to bed, like, is there another? They were mentioning something about possibility. And you're like, yeah, but I'm I'm going to bed. So I did as well. Uh, I mean, it, it's things like that where you feel what, what you've done it isn't appreciated because... Uh, this just sounds like a oh poor me, poor me thing, but it's like I've been going on 
CSA call since 2011, sometimes when there's been like three to five people on it. And now that the teams are good and lots of media go on it, it's all done differently and it's all the big outlets. And it's not just like us, it's other independent outlets as well get pushed to the side. It was annoying because they did go to Zoom when they went to the... Yeah, they went to Zoom and then somebody from Canada Soccer got to ask a question on the media call, which Which was irritating. And then another question about CF Montreal. Yeah, that was... That had to do with Canada at all. That was that was poor form. Yeah. So I was raging. I've got to say, after that, I was like, well, I hope they get fucking gubbed by Japan. And it was nice. I PVR'd the game. I didn't actually watch the PVR. I ended up watching the highlights, not knowing the score. And I was going, come on, come on. Let, maybe have five past Borean. But it didn't work out that way. But like in, I... in all seriousness, it does make you wonder... What benefit Canada got from this game? I think it's always helpful to play quality opponents like that. And and even it would be good to have a balance between home and away fixtures for the national team. It'd also be good to play more than one game in the window when you've traveled to the other side of the world. That would be nice. I think there's experiences that will be helpful for them from this. Uh, I do see the I do see the perspective that you're that you're sharing in terms of like, yeah, this seemed in some ways like it could have been a waste of time and energy and effort because I often have Fridays as a day off. I chose to stay, stay up and oh, watch really? it. Oh yeah. I stayed up and watch it. But I don't know if you noticed because I, I, I was really tired. So the only, the only thing that kept me awake sort of was, I was like, sort of like live tweeting I'm just like oh, I didn't even notice that you had just, been like I just, I just, went, I just went on my thing and I just started a thing like a match thread with like no one, no one engaging, of course. But and yeah, just, just to keep you awake, just to keep me awake. So when something would happen, I'd write like I, I tweet about. It. I mean, I, um, I think the big burning question though coming out of it is, did that game show that Fonzie needs that move to Real Madrid? No, 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 no. I, I, I have I have bad I have I have, a, I have a fear that that will that will unfortunately happen. His um, agent seems to be really pushing that narrative. Yeah, White will get a big sell on fees. Or, hey, yeah, I obviously I'd prefer to him to stay at Bayern. I think there's benefits for him to stay at Bayern, but um, there are, yeah there are benefits or opportunities for him if he goes to a place like like Real Madrid. Um, and you kind of, I can't fault him for considering those. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, don't, I, I don't like the club, but I will grudgingly admit they're one of the biggest clubs in the world. And it, like, to play for a club like that and the stature of it is just like, would be incredible for him. Yeah. He, yeah. I, the agent who I, I only know good things of, I don't really like how they're, they're handling this, if I'm honest. Um, but, I understand why they're handling it the way they're handling it. But uh, uh, bef- like a f- when was it? August? August or September? No, it was August. It might have been July or August. My, some of my friends from Bayern, uh, I asked them about this. I'm like, is there any chance that like he would go this window? And they're like, oh no, no, he has two years left. There's no way he's gonna go. We we need him. There's no replacement for. It. I mean, Kratzig is coming through, but he's a different type of left back or left winger. Um, and he's just made this kind of significant breakthrough he's not the finished article yet even though i'm really excited about about him and they signed guerrero but guerrero is like 
maybe not even like half the pace of Alonso. <laughs> he's like he's considerably slower. He's not the, the you know. Do you know him, Rafael Guerrero, the left back from Portugal? No. Uh, we we signed him from Dortmund. There's there anyways. Yeah, they were like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen now. And they were like, oh no, he's they're gonna they're gonna do all they can to re-sign him uh, between now and the end of next summer. Um, so I don't know how much ground has shifted and and whatever, but and or how much that was maybe hopeful thinking from. Uh, from the people I was talking to, but um, yeah, I I do not, I'm not excited about the the prospect of that. But I also know Byron. I don't think they have done. They did do this with Alaba, <laughs> um, but they didn't do it with Lewandowski. I I can't see them letting him like saying no, 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 you're you're playing out your contract, and then you can go wherever you want. Like I think they are going to say, oh yeah, okay, you don't want to be here, that's fine. We we're not going to keep you here, so we're going to sell you next year for seventy plus million or whatever. And then, therefore, make an incredible profit. Oh, yeah. And the Whitecaps should get some, depending on what yeah. the deal is. But they should get some. But, I mean, since we've started talking about international football, let's really kick off the football chat with some news from around the world. So we're going to just talk about some stories that's caught my eye. We usually do these at, at the end, but I thought, ah, no Whitecaps game to talk about. Let's just talk about some stuff here. And on the last show, we chatted a bit about World Cup 2030, but I hadn't fully read everything, and I, I missed something in this. And then I heard about it on the podcast that I, I listened to, the famous sloping pitch, and then went to read it myself. And it, it's some of the interesting small print for the World Cup in 2030 and 2034, where the hosts must also have at least 72 suitable training site options for team base camps, four suitable venue-specific training site options per stadium, in addition to two suitable referee base camp training sites. So if they have to have 72 suitable training site options... Is this them leaving the door open to expand beyond 48 to maybe up to 72 teams down the line? Is half the world going to get into this World Cup? No, no. This is what you're talking about, 2030? 2030, 2034, yeah. yeah. They could expand, but no, those four those four sites are because at any given time in a host city or for a host stadium, they'll have four, four nations that will be around there, right? So... So, for example, when uh, the World Cup's in North America in 2026, they might have rejigged things or things might have changed. But my understanding was like Seattle, Vancouver will kind of be like a, a hub area, right? Like you'll have so you have two groups and they'll kind of some games will be here and some games will be south of us. And so you're always going to have at any given time four teams in the area who need proper facilities. Right. So Does that make, yeah. that make sense? Uh, yeah, I was just, when I saw the 72, I was like, oh no, Which, surely I mean, not. Hopefully down the road, Michael, we'll be having conversations about what are those four sites in this, in and around the, 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 the greater Vancouver region. Yeah, because some of them are obvious. The Women's World Cup here, yet you had them at Trillium, Empire, and it's like, yeah, I can't somehow see some world-class men's players happy to go to a, a field potentially full of needles 
obviously yeah. they'd be cleaned up. I'm, I'm being facetious, but it's no, like but, but, but what, what are the horrible pictures as well. What, what are the ones now? The Whitecaps facility, obviously. So you have the Whitecaps mm -hmm. facility. I would imagine the Willoughby at Langley as well. Yep. Swan Guard, you've got to feel, is an option. And uh, Burn is Burnaby Lake an option? I know there's no grass though, right? Or there is grass on the other side. I mean, if it if it has to be grass, which you would imagine it would have to be grass, it would. You'd be ruling out Burnaby Lake. You'd be ruling out Percy Perry. But you, yeah, you say it for now. But uh, the, yeah, the for other now, side, I mean, who knows? Because other, obviously at Empire, they put brand new pitches in for the Women's World Cup. So they could they, put a grass pitch in a, an existing stadium somewhere. Oh, exactly. Or a new stadium could be in the in the works because it's I know there's been murmurs out of Surrey, not this stupid seventy thousand plus one, whatever it was, <laughs> but for a, a ten thousand all seater stadium, it was part of the, the mayoral election play, pledge by a couple of the candidates. So yep. I mean that could be on the work, although they'd need to really start to get on that pretty soon. Yeah. But that that is a, a significant thing that is happening. And I know I, I like yeah, for the stadium at, at LEC it will be there. Like, yeah, that is I know that that is obviously it's it's and people are probably yelling at their phones or whatever right now, but yeah, it is turf right now, but it could be made grass. Yeah, I mean they would have to do that, but then because they share it with rugby and it's community use and for FIFA they would be taking charge of that so i'm not sure that the langley city would be like yeah we're gonna give everything up for that yeah but no michael i think you would for a world cup like that would be part of the no, legacy for the we think that we if you think about the battles that vancouver fc's had just to get some stadium stuff i i don't know that everybody because there's a lot of folk don't want us to have the world cup here because of the cost what that money could be used for you can look at the legacy, but they're going to point to things like, well, there's homelessness and the need for more hospitals and all that kind of stuff. I don't know that it's going to be as easy as to say, well, look at the legacy you would have by having this as a World Cup training centre. Well, I guess I'll, the way I say it is, look, the World Cup is coming to Vancouver. I don't see that stopping. There, there needs to be, I, I would agree with this information you have, that there needs to be like a minimum of four mm -hmm. host sites. Um, and I think that'll get done like you know what i mean like i think you'll have municipalities well, they could that also do something up at ubc outside of the development center because again the women yeah, yeah. were at ken woods and i mean I, i've been having discussions with with people about how ken woods field has the potential if someone comes in to invest to rip that turf up put a grass pitch down and make it a soccer specific stadium and the, there's the some footprint folk that would love that. The footprint seems kind of small there, though, doesn't it? But I agree with you. Like that, there's potential for that for yeah. sure. Moving away from the World Cup, so for for 2030, the six hosts we talked about that, and all six hosts will qualify for the 2030 World Cup. So we talked about that last week. It's a different story with UEFA, as we found out this week, because the hosts for Euro 2028 were confirmed to be the four UK home nations and the Republic of Ireland. Turkey were in the mix, but they withdrew to have a joint bid with Italy in 2032 that seems to already have been approved as well. But the interesting thing about 2028 is none of the five home nations or stroke hosts are going to automatically qualify for it. I don't know if you saw about this. 
That's strange. Yeah. UEFA can only give two free spots to the hosts, so they can only advance two teams. So Ireland and Northern Ireland? Or you would think Wales that would make a bit of sense, or... but all the, the five hosts have said that they want to be in the qualifying because they don't want to go through what's happened with Germany, which is you've lost your competitive games and you kind of find yourself in a rebuilding situation, which they now seem to be coming out of on, on the right side, but it, it wasn't ideal for them. So this is where it gets a bit weird because all five hosts will be in the qualifying. So all five could get through their groups and qualify. But if any of the hosts don't qualify automatically from the qualification groups, UEFA can hand spots to two of them. Which, if only two didn't qualify, that's fine. But if three or four don't qualify, what do you do then? Do you have playoff games? How do you decide it? Is it a toss of the coin? They give it to the biggest associations, Michael. Come on, that's what's going to happen. So Scotland should be there. I, I, one day I like early. that. I like that that they have to qualify, but they yeah. could also still get in. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's, it's a that's good helpful. thing. I mean, England's going to host the majority of the games. I think it's 60, 62, something like that, with the, the other four countries hosting six matches each. So, I mean, that's fantastic. Talking of Euros 2024, though, Scotland qualified today without even playing. Spain beat Norway 1-0, which was enough for Scotland to secure at least second in their group. We were really wanting first, but we, we lost somewhat controversially to Spain on Thursday evening. Scotland took the lead in Spain and it was ruled out for VAR for either an offside, interfering with the keeper or a push on the keeper. No one's really been able to clarify exactly what. Or all of the above? Or, I mean, I've got to say, I kind of make, I, I kind of see why it was ruled out, but the Scottish fans feel that the fix was in. But it was just such a shame because the celebrations were crazy when we, it was directly from a free kick as well. And it was a beautiful goal. But then Spain went and scored two goals and we lost. But we're in anyway. We're qualifying. Fantastic stuff. Congratulations, Michael. It's two euros in a row. It's just amazing. Hopefully we can get to World Cup in 2026 now. But by qualifying, it's it's amazing because we should now get an easier World Cup draw, which has been our issue for years. We haven't been qualifying, so we're in a tough qualification group that we can't then get out of, and it's just been a vicious circle. Michael, you, I'm, I'm a little surprised you have not brought up the most significant part of this story. What Ryan is Ryan Gold was not called up. No, what is it going to mean to the Whitecap season next year when Ryan Gold is playing at the Euros? With Steve Clark in charge, Ryan Gold will never get involved in that. But we have got two meaningless games now. Call him up in November. Although, actually, right during playoff time, I don't know that I want Ryan Gold to go away and play a couple of games all of a sudden for Scotland. Have you had a look at the other Euros qualifying groups? I hadn't uh, for ages until just before we recorded this. No, as the country I care about is automatically qualified and going through different things. Actually, literally, this weekend, Michael, all I've watched was Canada Live and the Germany-USA highlights. That's all I've watched. And the CPL games, but... You oh, no, yeah, from international, yeah. internationally, yeah. Well, Albania top their group and look all but already guaranteed their spot to, to be going. Also in the mix, 
Luxembourg. Really? Yeah. They're third in their group, and they've got a couple of easy games to go. Don't mess it up, right? I don't know. That would be amazing if they could just qualify for that. I would just love that so much. They're ahead of Iceland in their qualifying group. How the mighty have fallen. (laughs) Where's your clap now, guys? It took them out. Yeah, it probably did. I mean, I mean, I've had the clap before, and it's taken me right out of things as well. But that's a whole other thing. But that—that that is our news of the world. I've oh, never. You've had, got more. I've—I've I've never had the clap. <laughs> you, you should be doing it in Langley. <laughs> spread it. Spread the clap, Zach's. That's your new hashtag for next year. Spread the clap. We'll be talking a bit about trying to grow the fan base. That might not be the way way to do it. No. We're talking about. The Whitecaps attendance in part two, and we'll be talking on VFC attendance in part three. But as this was an international week, it was, it was very limited club games. But there were a couple of games played in MLS. And of course, the CPL stops for no man or no country. So when I take a look now at the MLS results and the clear path that is now there, for the Whitecaps, because there was a couple of matches of interest to the Whitecaps. Right, they, their their minimum, their 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 floor went up, up higher. Yes, yeah. we we dropped a spot, but we can't finish worse than that spot now. So, the Whitecaps dropped to sixth in the standings, but that's as low as they can go. They could still finish anywhere from third to sixth. The interesting results: RSL, who were quite depleted through injuries and players away in international duty. But they fought back from being two down to the LA Galaxy after 34 minutes to carve out a 2 all draw. Luna's 76th-minute equaliser could have massive implications for them in terms of their own playoff positioning. RSL's win dropped the Caps down a spot to sixth. More of that in a sec. The other game was Dallas... And Colorado. Dallas were at home, and I said in last week's show, well, I mean, it's got to be three points for Dallas. They dropped two big points to last place Colorado, and the Rapids actually put up a really good show. That's crazy. Like, crazy. Big blow for, for Dallas. Like, the Rapids took the lead in the 25th minute. Rafael Navarro, he poked home a rebound after a free kick had come off the woodwork. And they deserved it. They'd been the better team up to that point. Dallas tied it up in the 37th. A free kick. The guy that was topped the rankings in the 22 under 22. The Argentine Alan Velasco scored with that free kick. But that was the end of the scoring. It was two big points drop. It did see Dallas leapfrog San Jose to move up to 8th. But it also meant they can't catch the Whitecaps now. So... The Whitecaps can't finish worse than 6th in the West. And it also means that heading into decision day, five teams are now battling for the final three playoff spots in the West. So it's like Perm any two from Portland, Dallas, San Jose, KC and Minnesota. So two of them's going to be bitterly disappointed at missing out. The latter two, KC and Minnesota, are not only outside of the playoff places just now, they play each other on decision day in Kansas City. A draw, they're both eliminated. So that's going to be an interesting one to watch. A win for either still might not even be enough to get them into the, the postseason. 
you talk about uh, FC Dallas. Uh, I always, I keep forgetting that Canadian international Liam Fraser is. That's where he is right now. Do you know? I totally forgotten that as well. <laughs> yeah, he started. For, he started for them in that horrific result. I mean, the games at the bottom end of the playoff race. I mentioned it's KC Minnesota. Portland hosts Houston, which also has Whitecaps implications. Dallas are away to the Galaxy. San Jose are at home to Austin. So it's going to be wild. We don't care too much about that because it's the battle for the playoff positioning at the top that's really important for us. Second to sixth is still up for grabs, although the Whitecaps can't finish better than third. So here's here's how it looks for the Whitecaps going into decision day. Heading into that final match, they can finish in any one of four positions. If they beat LAFC, they'll go to 50 points. That still might not actually see them finish higher than sixth. That's just how crazy things are. Fifth placed RSL are away to Colorado. You'd expect a win there, but then Colorado looked really good in that game against Dallas. It's also a local derby. And you know the Rapids are going to want to fuck their rivals over as much as they can in that one. Yeah, there's some bitterness in that rivalry for sure. Yes, which I like. It, it, it's, it's a good altitude derby. Yeah. Rocky, Rocky Mountain Cup. A win would see RSL on 50 points as well. But they've got the most wins tiebreaker over Vancouver. So clearly we're cheering on the Rapids in that one. Fourth placed Houston at a point ahead of Vancouver. But then they've got that tricky trip to Portland. They've only won twice on the road all season as well. Portland's battling to make sure that they've got a playoff spot on their own. I don't see Houston getting a win there. So if Houston drop any points and the Whitecaps win, the Whitecaps would leapfrog Houston. Mm -hmm. Third place Seattle also have a tricky trip to the West's number one team, St. Louis. But then you've got the questions, will St. Louis rest some players like they did when they came here? Or will they want to head into the postseason on a high, get some momentum going, do it in front of their, their home fans as well? They don't want a big letdown on the last regular season game. It's going to be a big crowd. If Seattle lose, the Whitecaps would then have the tiebreaker on them if they can beat LAFC. They'd be level in 13 wins each, but they would. But by way of them winning and Seattle not, the Whitecaps would then have better goal difference. So they're both on plus seven just now, so the Whitecaps then could overtake Seattle. Gets a bit complicated, but right now, as things stand, if, if nothing changed over the weekend, we would be in a three-game series with Seattle with Seattle having the two home games potentially in the best of three if it went all the way. I don't like that scenario. But... A deja vu. Yeah. Hopefully it isn't as boring as... The, well, it can't be nil-nil anyway because it would have to go to yes, penalty shootouts here. Exactly. So interestingly, a Whitecaps win, a Sounders loss, an RSL win, and Houston dropping some points, which I feel is a realistic four-game prediction there. We would then move up to fourth. Seattle would drop down to fifth. We'd still be playing the Sounders in a best-of-three series, but potentially two of the games would be here. Yeah. That's exciting stuff. Totally. 
I mean, I genuinely can't wait to next weekend. I'm going to have the laptop. I'll have the MLS 360 show up as we're watching the game play out at BC Place. And, oh, it, I, I love final days of the season in any leagues. I even watched the Bundesliga last year, last season, the final day of the season. Because oh, yeah, sorry, you did. It was there. I just... Greatest day of your life. When, when there's things on the line these games of the season where everything's kicking off at the same time, it's just so exciting. Yeah. I, 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 there's lots of things I don't like about MLS, but uh, I'm really happy for how they've they've gone about making these last two games of the year, and especially the last one, uh, as meaningful as they have. I think, did they go away? Yeah, they went away from the second one being all at the same time, right? Did they do that? Yeah, because of the international break this right, year. Right, right, right. Well, so the scheduling prevented it, but... Them. But I, 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 it's, it's a step in the right yeah. direction. They, they've made decision day a big thing. Totally. And I mean, in the East as well, it's still up for the grabs. Montreal's playoff fate lies in their own hands as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that is it for our MLS look ahead to the playoffs. The CPL playoffs as well started this weekend. We'll chat about that in part three. But we're going to continue some Whitecaps and MLS chat in the next part as we look at attendances and has the Whitecaps on-pitch success encouraged more fans to come back to support the club? If not, why? And what can they do about it? We'll be back chatting about all of that after this. Hi, I'm Vanni Sartini and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part is our Artist of the Month for AFTN for the month of October, Italian gothic post-punk band They Die, with a song taken from their second album, 2022's Emptiness Prevails. It's the opening track on the album, it was the lead single, Single Frame. Love my goth music, and as I mentioned last week, it's a very old-school goth sound that that they've got, and I, I used to go to a goth club in Edinburgh called The Mission. I've talked about it, I think, on the show before, and it was on three different levels, 
and you had old school goth on one level, you had new style hardcore techno, which was the gothic sound on another level, and then just other gothic music on the third level. But it was brilliant, everyone dressed up, I used to have my black eyeliner on, my black lipstick, my see-through mesh top. Oh, I should send you some pictures of it, I still have them. I'm I'm okay if you don't. I'll I'll maybe share them on Twitter one. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll do that as well. Well, I I was up at UBC this weekend commentating. It was seniors' night, which for me every night is seniors' night at my age. But it was officially seniors' <laughs> night on the Friday for the women and the the Saturday for the men. But Friday night drove into the stadium, and there was all these gorgeous goth girls outside the entrance. All in black, black eye makeup, fishnet tights. And my first thought was, they've been listening to the soccer show on CITR radio in the dorm rooms. Big fans of They Die uh, want to come in and meet the man that's playing that gothic music. <laughs> this could surprise you, Zach. That was not why they were there. I am not surprised, Michael, and you know that. I... I Genuinely drove in, nearly crashed the car. I was like, oh, no, my fans have turned up in mass. I'd, how did they know I was commentating tonight? But it turns out they were there to see Black Veil Brides, who were playing at Thunderbird Arena, and they'd all turned up at Thunderbird Stadium instead. So a little bit of a mix-up. That is not the first time that's happened this year, because when I went to see the Pixies, folk turned up at Thunderbird Stadium to see the Pixies as well. And then I turned up in my Pixies t-shirt and one of the guys was like, oh, here's another one. I was like, no, no, I'm here for the soccer. <laughs> he was did, really confused. Did uh, They didn't like miss anything, right? Like they were there early? Yeah, they were there super early. Okay, it's just, that's, uh, that's good for them. I would, would have felt bad for them. Oh, I know. It, it does need way better signage, but oh, it, it made my night. It, I, I was just in my element. I guess we should get back to the football chat. So as I mentioned there, They Die, their second album, Emptiness Prevails. You could say that emptiness has prevailed around a lot of football stadiums in Canada this season, in MLS and the CPL. I'm going to talk about CPL attendances and Vancouver FC in the next part. We're going to focus just on the Whitecaps in this part. But we will look at both. We've talked about this a lot over over the year, but we'll start with the big leagues, the big boys, the Whitecaps. And we mentioned last week about the the Whitecaps' average attendance being quite down the bottom in MLS. Well, after Chicago's bumper crowd last week, the Caps are now the third lowest of the 29 MLS teams for attendance this season. An average of 16,220 from their 16 games so far. Now, they could still beat last year's average attendance of 16,399. So they're not much more. They're going to. Well, they need a crowd of 20,000 plus on Saturday to to beat last year's average. It would just beat it, but they would do that. And there's a good chance that they're going to get that bumper crowd against LAFC. They're expecting their largest crowd of the year, so that should push them over, and that would give them a higher average this year than last year. So they're trending upwards, and it's likely that their last four weekend home games will have averaged 19,000 plus, which 
as you move into the postseason, games on the weekends, you kind of want to be trending in, in that direction. So I had a chat with the Whitecaps just about season ticket renewals and attendance numbers just for the show so we could get everything right. And, and things are looking good for them in terms of season ticket membership renewals. They've had a 94.6 retention rate at the end of the opt-out window on September the 14th. So basically, for anyone that doesn't know, season ticket holders had until that date to renew for next year. So 94.6% Zach have. Yeah, it's a great number. It's a historic high for the club. Last year, the retention rate was 85.3. So you can point to the fact that last year they didn't make the postseason. This year they have. They won the, the Voyagers Cup both years, but it's just felt that the team is better this year. They're playing a more attractive brand of football as well. The games have been good. There's a lot of excitement around the team. On top of that, since going on sale in September the 5th, they've sold almost 1,500 new season ticket memberships, which is up 250% on last year. So 600 uh, uh, this time last year, right? And now, you know, that's amazing. That's a, I mean, obviously it's um, <laughs> largely due to the, the, the play on the field, but kudos to the, the ticketing people because um, I know that's not an easy job because no. you're dealing with a lot of uh, complaints or specific requests or frustrations or whatever. And so, yeah, kudos to them for... We're doing so well so quickly and yeah I, I, you can only i mean you can only see that number climbing right yeah. like oh i mean it's, it feels like a whole different organization now both on and off the pitch than it was a couple of years ago the heady days though of regular twenty two and a half thousand sellouts maybe upping it to 24 the odd game at 27 they still seem a little bit away but the club is certainly trending positively in the right direction to hopefully get there maybe next season. Maybe it'll take to the season after. Success on the pitch, of course, is always going to lead to more bums and seats. Totally, yeah. So while that's all great, I also wanted to delve into what has stopped people coming back to the Whitecaps? What has stopped them getting back to BC Place to see what is the best team the Whitecaps have had in their whole MLS era, certainly the best team that they've had for a, a number of seasons. They've won two Cups, Canadian Championship, Cascadia Cup, which, yes, the Cascadia Cup's more bragging rights, but still landing two Cups. And to win that, you have to beat playoff rivals, which then gets you a playoff spot, which mm. they have also secured. We now know, as we talked about in the last part, they're not going to be any worse than sixth in the West, which I think going into this season, a lot of folk thought, yeah, they could be in the playoffs. You might be looking at eighth. You might be looking at ninth. Now they're at least six, and they have a real shot at being top four. So yeah. despite that, it's still a low attendance. And yeah, it's maybe not dipped dramatically from last year, but it's not at the heady highs that it was in the past. So some folk have come back. So I was also curious... What's made them come back? Has it just been the, the the team on the pitch? So I crowdsourced this on Twitter and apologies if we miss anything out, if we miss anyone out, because 
we got a huge response to this and it was a way bigger response than I was expecting and we had folk reply on Twitter, we had some DMs, we had some emails about it all. So we'll, we'll chat about that for the rest of this part and again, a, a lot to kind of cover. So some of it, we might be a little bit all over the place, but I've kind of split it into little segments. Categories here, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll kind of kind of do it for VFC in the next part as well. So starting with positives. Are we going to go back and forth on these? Or are we, are we yeah. Gonna... Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you want to read some as well, yeah, that, that would be good as well because it will save my voice. And then we'll chat about some stuff for uh, after we kind of cover the stuff in the section. Some are a lot longer than others. So we might maybe cut a little bit out. But we'll, we'll start with why fans have come back, some positives. And Leo's Can Sock Goggles said, Lapsed fan here. Last Wednesday's victory over St. Louis was my first live match in years. Positive football and decisions and a lack of off-field controversy helps loads. Also, adding Larea, Hoyle and Adekukbe pushed him back in. Brian said, After a three-year hiatus, we have resubscribed to our season tickets. There is sufficient improvement both on the field and behind the scenes. I hope we are not disappointed. And we're going to talk one of the categories about the off-field stuff. And that is still something that is preventing fans coming back. But I think adding international players, if you're a Canadian national team fan and you're adding those talents, that's going to to pique some interest. It's not going to pique maybe the casual fans as much as a team that's constantly getting victories. But I think that helps. There's always the concern and... Like, th- this has happened with the Whitecaps in previous playoff campaigns. You get the big crowd in, and then they don't perform in front yeah. of that big crowd, and the fans go home disappointed. And we've seen it a number of times over the years. You-, you point to those playoff games against Portland and Seattle and how disappointing they were. We've sp- we won't go into all that again. We've spoke about it a lot on the show. But... It's what we've talked about as well when the Whitecaps maybe haven't made the playoffs but they've won their last game of the year. Whether it's like beating Portland and buggering up Portland's chances or whatever. And you send the fans home happy. And that's what they remember and they're on a high and they buy tickets for next season. So yeah, hopefully the playoffs don't become a bit of a damp squib and kind of put some folk off. But I mean, things are trending positively. Yeah, and like well, like Leo said, and we've talked we talked about this as they were happening, but uh, things like uh, another Voyagers Cup, you know, final at home and victory, and like he, his experience at the the St. Louis game, that's where they clinched too, right? That was the mm-hmm. clinching. So like we talked about after those games, how how amazing it was for people that were there, and how enjoyable it was, and how yeah, those are the kind of moments and memories that help people re-engage, stay engaged um fall more in love with the club uh and so it, yeah and you're right the more you the more you win the easier it is to the easier it is to to fall in love with something right like yeah yeah you can imagine the ticket folk going oh we just need a winning run here and our job all of a sudden becomes a lot easier still difficult yeah. but it's still a lot easier yeah because whilst folk are coming back and th- there's been a number of comments I've had and we'll cover some of them here that people have seen old friends returning that had maybe disappeared for the last couple of years or whatever. But 
some folk have moved on and they haven't come back for various reasons and we'll kind of get into that now and one of the categories of that I've kind of lumped this together and some of the other comments will touch on some of these as well but I just kind of broke these up as best as we could kickoff times and the Apple TV deal because mm. they do go hand in hand because Apple wanted every game to kick off at 7.30 in the local market time and because of that 7.30 starts usually means 7.37 kickoffs and that rules out a lot of people. Like in the lower mainland, yeah, it's not too big an issue. Midweek games certainly are on a school night for a 7.37 kickoff to bring a family down there. It's not going to happen. As we've seen for midweek games, such as that St. Louis game just the other week. But then 7.37 games also rule out people from the Okanagan and the island. And we'll get to some of those comments now. Mm-hmm. So... Van D. Drury says, strongly considering season tickets for next year, but all the 7.30pm start times is a tough sell with a family to consider. I've been plenty engaged for years. There used to be lots of casual fans at my work, but now there's not as they can't watch the games on TV. So you'll get Mm -hmm. the odd game on TSN, but just not enough for them. All Tonesaker says, Apple TV is killing your fan base. Why? I am no longer invested. Too many other options available. I pay for sports, cable, and then WFC moves to Apple TV. I guess yeah. is the rest of the... Yeah, it, it was an Apple emoji, which as oh, I've transferred right. it to this, hasn't shown up. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's... If you can't see... I asked Axel this as soon as the deal was announced, and he didn't think it would be a a big issue because season tickets get it free but that's not who you're trying to attract you're trying to get the casuals you're trying to get the laps fan back and if they can't see and i hate using the word product but if you can't see the product you're not going to buy the product it's not like a product in a supermarket where oh it's on the shelf i'll go and, and get that if you can't watch the team on tv or in the bars because a lot of bars as well don't have Apple TV. And actually, one of the things I didn't put in here, it was at Hotels Vancouver, which seems to be a, a blog just for different hotels, said that they basically, it's their way of boycotting Apple is not to have Apple TV in their hotel bars. So folk there can't go and see it. So why why are they boycotting Apple for some... I, it, didn't, it didn't say why, so I didn't kind of probe that, which is kind of why I initially missed it out, but I thought worth mentioning. Yeah. Uh, Ekthelian says he would come back if it was afternoon kickoff times. And mm. this is the big issue because if you're on the island yeah. and you want to get to a Whitecaps game, you're talking an overnight hotel, unless this new Hello Ferry, they are, I don't know if you know much about the new the high speed one to Nanaimo, yeah. So yeah. the high speed one to Nanaimo, which obviously doesn't help folk in Victoria, but they are putting on late night ferries for concerts like the ones that's been at bc place for bc lions games and stuff like that so it might be something that the white caps need to work with them but axel did indicate when i spoke to him a couple of months back that this year it's set in stone at 7 30 but he is not saying that that will be the case for every game next season oh i'm sure they i think they have to switch 
the, the league in general, I'm sure, has had tons, tons of feedback on that. Well, that's one of the things that the Lions have done so well. They've had these early afternoon kickoff times so that folk from the Okanagan, all the football teams from there, I had this discussion with somebody just a yeah. couple of days ago. They travel in with their family from the Okanagan to the Lions games. Folk come over from the island. They can get the ferry back. It's still costly, but it's not as costly as having a, a night. If you've got a family of four, potentially two hotel rooms. I know it's a couple hours drive, but would people who are from Victoria like go to Nanaimo for this high speed ferry? I I wouldn't think so. Okay. I I mean I certainly wouldn't drive that just to get a ferry that takes another couple of hours to then drive from the ferry to get also the the, the hello ferry's a walk on, it's no cars. So uh, you then but it's downtown to downtown, so that helps as well. Yeah. Uh, unapologetically apologetics uh, says needs 6 p- six p.m. or 7 p.m. games. It's impossible for us on the island to get back on the last boat with these stupid 7.40 uh, p.m. starts. Club is pointed in the right direction, finally, and the supporters will return. Apple TV deal was brutal for the casual need terrestrial TV pubs bars. I mean, there's no getting out, away from that. And I mean, Axel might think differently privately. He's not going to come on our show and, and say, yeah, it's been a bad deal for us for this, this, and this. And maybe he doesn't actually believe it's a bad deal. I'm pretty sure the folk behind the scenes in the comms department, not just at the White Cats, but across the league, they've got to produce so much content for Apple because they've got to mm-hmm. do their previews and little things. And I think the White Cats have something like four videographers now that's putting material down. And you like I never watch those on Apple. Some of them are also up in the YouTube channels and on social media, but I I just don't watch them. So it's like how many folk are actually watching these? I'd love to know as well. Although we've heard numbers are high for Apple in terms of subscriptions and messages, obviously helped. It'd be good to see a breakdown, which we're never going to get, as to how many actually watch Whitecaps games on it, compared to how many watched on TSN. It's yeah, always you, nice to know how many actually watched on TSN, just in general, which I haven't had a chance to look at. But you know that. They know that. Oh, the yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. You know. That's why it'll probably not come out, because I can't imagine... I mean, folk will know I used maybe, to write maybe, maybe it website. Be, maybe it will, though, Michael, because it'll, it'll help them uh, prove a point or help them say, hey, we're changing because, you know... Maybe. See, We see you've spoken with your lack of watching or ability to watch or ability to come to games or whatever. So therefore we're changing to a different model. I mean, I'll push in the off season to try and speak to someone at Apple to, to see if we can get that. Pretty sure I won't get to, but we can at least try. But it's like, I, I used to write for MLSsoccer.com. Officially, I think I still am on their, on their books, but basically the demand to read Vancouver stuff wasn't there because we don't have a player that attracts your average fan in middle America to read about Whitecap stuff. And it's going to be the same with watching it. Now, Vanny is a draw. Folk do love Vanny across MLS. And the team does play attacking football and free-flowing football most of the time. And the games are a bit more exciting. So that might help turn that tide. Tied in with all of this is another category we've got here, the lack of on-pitch success. I'll, I'll go through it from Tim Davis. He says, regarding a possible return to season tickets, I gave them up this season 
after having them from day one in MLS. The franchise has proven to be okay with average year in, year out, but there's no proof of ambition and it's the same each season. At some point, you're just cheating your fan base and they figure it out. Empty seats, even at this point in the season, is proof of the damage done. I'd need probably three seasons of back-to-back playoff runs of some sort, with progress each year. Show me you care and you want to win. Imagine how poor this team would be without Ryan Gold. Add two more players of his quality and you have my attention. And the franchise sticking its head in the sand over the off-field controversy is total small-time minor league two. Again, show respect for your fan base. Michael Phillips says, I still go when there's an extra ticket or a few friends going, if nothing else is going on. But it won't become a priority for me again unless there's a consistent improvement on and off the field. Or, you know, the cup finals too, maybe. I mean, it's a tough one because... I feel this is the most successful Whitecaps team. For the whole Sartini era, they didn't make the playoffs last year, but they came close. So he's made the playoffs in two of his three seasons. They've won two Canadian championships. They're in the Champion League. But I understand that folk want to... They've seen the, the club cry wolf before. They want to see that ambition. I think it's been hard for the club to shake that, oh, they're not ambitious, they won't spend money. Where has the Davis money gone? All that kind of stuff, which is long spent and long gone. Because you look at the quality additions that have been made, even these additions of the three Canadians in the in the summer just now, to me that does signify ambition, but it might not be a, enough ambition for the lapsed fan, for the casual fan, because for them... It is about winning trophies. It's about going deep in the playoffs, being in cup finals. Yeah, this one, I think there's a, it's a both, like there's, it's it's not, there's two sides to this, or there's two sides to this, and I think they're both valid, Michael, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah. The team has never been uh, as good as they they are right now, without a doubt. Yet, I, I don't disagree with Tim when he says, they need you know two more players at a Ryan Gold level, and 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 I've said this for years now, but in terms of spending on those players, Ryan Gold is the the first you could say maybe Pedro Morales, maybe Lucas Cavallini are the first real DP like above mm-hmm. high level TAM players that they that they've had right, and so I think you need to have three players that are above the somewhat if not significantly above the the tam threshold to sh- to show ambition not and not willy-nilly not like not just a name that some people will know from you know what they've watched in in europe I, or whatever i, I believe but... willy-nilly did join the saudi league this summer no oh, there you go a big so, contract so he's, he's out um but i i do think that is one area that they they could improve on because uh, again i think axel has has done a lot to write this ship um, and, and deserves some credit in, in in that, but this is one area where I think there is it still bottom third of spending. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. So and, yeah, and, actually quite low down there. But then you look at the other end, and Toronto's top, and they didn't make the playoffs. But I know well, that's what I was going to say. It's not a yeah. perfect barometer, but the, the it it doesn't help when and now most people will f- 
most new people won't know this or whatever, but you know, when you had Jeff Mal, I think it was Jeff Mallet said, Oh, we're going to move back towards being in the top third. And yeah, it was like, what, what did something happen after he said that? Was there a, ch- a change or whatever? So I can understand some people being frustrated by that, but again, you can't say that they have it. Like this team is, yeah, the, is the most successful in the ML- MLS era to, to this point. And it could be even greater. So in yeah. these next couple of weeks and month and next month or so, but um, it's hard to shake that tag. And it's not helped by the fact that we've had so many DPs here that have basically just flopped. They just have not been good for various that, reasons. But, but folk are like, oh, that's who they're bringing in. That's look, look at this team. They're bringing in this guy. I've heard of this guy. I've seen him play here and there. And and as much as I've ragged on some of those quote unquote DPs, because I, again, I don't feel like a number of them actually were DPs. That, again, that's not uncommon in MLS, though, Michael. It's a little and not uncommon in football in general. It's a little bit hit and miss, right? Like Ryan Gold, obviously they've hit it out of the park, right? Yeah, but and like that may not have worked out either. It's just sometimes you catch lightning in the bottle, which him and White have with that chemistry that they've got. And we've spoken as well that. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say about Richie Larea had been mentioned that he might be on a DP. From what I'm hearing, though, the club want him on a on a TAM contract. They don't want him to be DP. Yeah, so that makes gonna, sense. Yeah, which is so, great because so, that's then going to leave a DP spot for one of these two additions that they, I, I feel would take the club to another level, get more attention, and bring the fans back in. On the on the, I would say uh, the one way or one point that the the people who feel uh, you know they aren't successful enough, one thing you could say is, look, yeah, this is the best team they ever had, but you have players who are playing at or above their level, mm-hmm. right? Like again, a Brian a Brian White, I think yeah, is career season, yeah, right. So again, I, I'm not saying that's that's how I feel, but I think that that is how some people could view it, right? Like saying like, yeah, okay, this is. Like, uh, was it Tim? Yeah, Tim wanted, it's like, I want to see this for a n- multiple years yeah. before I feel like they're going in the right way. I, I, I can get that because I, w- I would say, like previous positive runs from the club, that it does feel a little bit like they're there because, because yeah, some players are playing above themselves in this moment, which is great. And what obviously what you want, you're getting more valuable, all that, that's just all positives to that. But again, it, it hides or it can be a way of hiding the ambition, mm-hmm. right? But then, but then like they used to talk about, oh, like we want to be like Columbus, you know, like we're not big spenders, but we get the most out of what we spend. Like, again, that's not bad in and of itself, but it does, I think, it, I, it can lead people to, to saying you lack ambition. Yeah, and right? at least they've dropped the Ajax talk, thankfully, because Ajax are not doing very well these days over well, in Holland as well. There was, only, was there only one person who used that reference? Yeah, there was. Funnily enough, <laughs> we're going to talk about that person next. But before we get to that, the last thing I want to say about ambition and stuff, and this might be harsh to say this, but this playoff run feels very important to the club in that it could be make or break as to whether they start to get these fans back. Because if they're seen to be competitive and they don't just bounce out after a couple of games and they go a little bit deeper than they have before, folk are going to maybe think this is a different Whitecaps than in the past and get the attention a bit more. You don't want them to bounce out, poor performance, and it's like, oh, same old, same old. So I think there is a lot 
riding on how well they do in this run. That, that, yeah, that's fair. But yeah, let's get to the last one of my categories to round off this part. And I've split it into off-the-pitch stuff, stroke, Leonard Doozies. And I'll be totally honest here. This has caught me a little bit off. I didn't think there was still as much feeling and resentment about the off-pitch stuff, the women's stuff and what went on with, with the Leonard Doozies and various things from off the pitch as there has been. Now, I will counter that by saying this is a small sample size and obviously if people are very upset about something, they're more likely to put yeah. that in writing and get in touch Totally. your casual fan and there's going to be a lot of fans that don't care about this but we do want to play devil's advocate and cover all sides of these so it's and, and to, be, to cover and, this and, as well and to be fair michael some of the previous comments we've read have talked about they feel like things have moved on from yes some of the- which I, I i do as well and like I'll, I'll say this now i respect everyone's opinion if there's a reason you don't want to go back to the white caps it's a valid reason because it's important to you and that's how it should be. Football's a personal thing. And if you don't want to support the club because of that person, that player, something that's happened, totally respect that and you've got every right to do that. My opinion is the club have moved on and there needs to be a line drawn, I feel, that everyone moves on from or you're still just going round in circles. But for a number of people that line hasn't been drawn yet because that line, as we'll get from some of these comments, is the Leonard Doozies moving away from the organisation. So we'll go through some of these comments. I am Elite Stuber says, I'll watch the Whitecaps if it's on TV, but I'm not paying for super premium service. But if I go in the stadium, I'm not dropping a dollar until the Doozy boys are long gone. Corey uh, Muzika says, not while Bobby and Dan collect paychecks. Chris Corrigan wrote a bit of a tome, so I might kind of just summarize some of this. So apologies, Chris. You, uh, you, should, you should read it all. I don't want this to be a five-hour show. <laughs> um, will I come back to the Whitecaps? I don't think so. It's egregious to me that the Leonard Doozies continue to reap monetary benefit from the organization. The more time goes by, the more I can't abide MLS. And I really am now of the mind that we simply cannot leave the development of our players up to Americans who are our chief rivals in the Federation. Like it should be Confederation, right? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'm obviously invested in TSS Rovers in a big way and feel like this is the first time I've ever been able to have an impact with soccer and participate in a truly meaningful way to build up a club and an important tier and some good players. If anything, I may go along to some Whitecaps women's games once the new league starts, but honestly, I haven't watched a Caps game this year, save for the final, which I attended in my Waterman Canada shirt, because Joe Waterman had a season with TSS. I have a lot of time and money and loyalty invested in the organisation over the years, and I, I never felt it was reciprocated. It's not just about results, it's about integrity. The firing of Panis and the lack of transparency all round was the final straw. And then he just goes on to applaud what the team has done in the last couple of years. He feels they are trying, 
and they may well find a new base of core supporters, but there aren't millions out there and that there is a lot of other clubs in the area that's trying to get attention, as you well know, Zach. He also goes on to say it's a lot of time for Peter Zimmerman. If it wasn't for him, he'd have no idea where the Southsiders would be. Uh, he's, last thing I'll say is it's a surprisingly easy decision to walk away. And I've also been surprised at how few regrets I have. I haven't missed it at all. Not even the style they play now and the cups that they've won. I don't have Apple TV. I don't like the new radio guy. So I'm not even a casual supporter anymore. Hmm. Uh, TB hid quid? Is that right? I think that's how we would say it. That's why I spelled it out a little bit that way. Okay. Uh, I've been watching games on TV. I will probably try to attend one game to see Kubas Gold. But I can't bring myself to 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 do any more or buy merch slash wear the colors, and it's not about the on-field product. If that was it, I'd have considered season tickets. So again, another person that feels that they just can't support the club because of what's happened off the pitch. And the last comment, El Canico. Maybe when they take responsibility for all the off-field scandals that have plagued this club. So never, I'm guessing. I do feel that. Is harsh. I do respect your opinion. You're entitled to it. But I do think Axel, the executives, have worked very hard to move this club on. And it's a whole different organisation to it was back in those USL days. And you've got Steph LeBayen on the women's side. There's a women team hopefully launching in the new league in 2025. For all you might want to say about them playing in an American league, I don't think you can criticise the Whitecaps Academy. They've got academies throughout Canada. There's some things you can criticise, that they maybe hoard all the talent and maybe stop some of the other local clubs and academies getting some of that talent. But they develop so much Canadian talent, they put so much money from pre-residency up to now under... 23 level with the League One BC team on the men and the women's side. So the investment is there and it's not dictated really by by US soccer. You, they might play in a US league, but you look throughout the CPL, you actually, I've mentioned UBC, off their, I think it's a 28-man roster, 12 of those players have come through the Whitecaps Academy. And a lot of the other Whitecaps players are in the college ranks down in the US. So they are bringing talent through. And these are the talents then that go on to play in the CPL as well. Yeah, that's for, that's for sure. I, this is not about a development discussion, but another thing we've talked about before, we probably should talk about again sometime, is I, I continue to hear you know former national team players talk about how frustrating it is that there is not virtually no BC content in the national team anymore. And that's, a, yeah. again, that's another conversation for another I time. Mean, yeah, something yeah. Colin Elms and TSS have yes. talked about a lot. And we should be, we keep saying we're going to have a panel one of these off seasons. We should to, to talk about that. I mean, yeah. Axel came out and said that his hope for the 2026 Canadian team, I think it was a third he was targeting third or a half of the Canadian national team players would have come through the Whitecaps organization at some point in their career. Hmm. That's, that's, that's a good ambition to have. Yeah. There's, 
there was there was a lot in that section. Yeah, I mean, there's no getting away from it that the off the field stuff from recent years has hung over the club and still is hanging over the club. Folk will not come back for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Some will. I I think the club will just end it on a positive. If the club is trending upwards, the crowds are trending upwards. They know they still have a lot of work to do to win back some of the fan base that they've lost. But everyone that I speak to at the club is working so hard to make that happen. Hopefully everyone can pull in the same direction and we we can take this club to the next level because it has to get to this next level because any any more scandals off the field, any more dips in form, not making playoffs, poor runs out of of form, could be a death knell for this team in a couple of years' time. For for those who don't, like, just say, you know, I won't go back if, if, you know, Dan and Bobby are still receiving paychecks, as some of these people have put it. Like, do you, like, is that, do you think, do you ever see that happening, Michael? I mean, they, they will retire, clearly, at, at, at some right. stage. I think after 2026 comes, Bobby will move on. And it's like, but in, until they go, some folk will just not come back. I think it is just as simple as that. And I think and, the club know that. But then the thing is, too, Michael, for some of those people, we, we when we talk about these things, I know you've talked about this in the past, often it's like, what is good enough for people? Yeah. Right? For some of those people, I, I have a feeling some of them would say, oh, well, yeah, they retired. You, you did nothing about it, so I still I still can't go back because you you didn't get rid of them yeah. earlier. You just let them re, you know, age out or retire or whatever. Yeah, no, that's fair. If, that, if that's the reason you're coming, not coming back and you feel that the club didn't act when it should have, I, I don't see how you win that, yeah, that person yeah. round. So. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting to see how the attendances do next year and how things do with the playoffs. Hopefully at least... Well, hopefully more than one playoff game. But it's not just the Whitecaps that had a battle to get the fans back. Vancouver FC in their inaugural season throughout the CPL as well. And we're going to turn our attention to that in the next part. And we'll be back with that after this. I'm Isaac Bomer. I'm listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show. 
on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, we've gone back to the swinging 60s and a psychedelic rock band from London. I do like my psychedelic music, I've got to say. Early Pink Floyd, absolutely love the Sid Barrett stuff. Early status quo as well, that kind of psychedelic sound. That is a band called Dentalian's Chariot. They only existed for two years. They brought out one album in 1967 called Chariot Rising. That's a song from it, one of my favourite ones from it, called Fourpenny Bus Ride. Just about getting on a bus, paying a little bit of money, just forgetting about your, your woes as you just ride the bus. Not sure that you would say that with TransLink services here, but I mean, you never know. But here's a question. If the Whitecaps, or if Vancouver FC, put on a bus that only cost four pence to shuttle fans from a park and ride, do you think that would help boost the attendances at, at games? Is that what's lacking? Some cheap transport to matches? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you might get some fans. Like, obviously, the... The the stewards of the club put on a free bus to the the first game at Pacific, which I think helped some people. Um, it was kind of you know uh, touch and go at the. It was like right at the end, um, or right you know within the I think the week of the match or whatever. Um, and that was that was helpful. And then they tried to put one on for the second game with more advance notice, but then it cost people something, and there were, wasn't enough people to make that meaningful, right? Because it wasn't. It just I don't think for people offered the one the same thing that happened earlier in the year and two was just i don't think uh the cost analysis was not you know it was not not beneficial enough i mean we won't get into it here but i did hear some behind the scenes chat about some of the issues that had happened with that first bus and getting it actually booked which (laughs) was a lot of fun but i mean the reason i mentioned that is last part we talked about white caps attendances this part We're going to continue talking attendances, but we're going to turn our attention to CPL, Vancouver FC. Maybe this has been unfair. You can correct me if you feel it is. But I feel it's been a bit of a hard sell for VFC this inaugural season to get the bums on seats for a variety of reasons that we're maybe going to look at. Is that fair? Is that being harsh? Is is this the kind of crowd that you were expecting? No, of course not. I think, yeah, a number of these topics we're going to discuss, I think, have added to the the difficulty. No, I thought it would, wouldn't be much better, um, which is kind of kind of frustrating. I think for the stewards of the club, they thought it would be better as, as well. And I, I well, can't remember. I, I genuinely thought it'd be between three and four. I didn't yeah, think yeah, it would be totally. much higher. No, but that would be, that would be much better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... And I can't remember how much of this we've talked about previously, Michael, because I know we've, we've talked about this issue a little bit this year. Um, but I think the my 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 perception is that they took an approach and they thought um, they thought things would be smoother with their approach than it actually actually was. Um, and so I think they're they've learned from that not going as smoothly and they're adjusting as they as they you know move into well i, th- I think there was two. a lot of promises made as well of oh yeah we'll buy tickets we'll buy big blocks of tickets and well life, life gets in the way or just things happen and yeah it doesn't happen. It's, it's a multi-layered thing right it was yeah. it was the and this comes up in these some of these comments we're gonna talk we're talking about but there was the 
short window to to get to prepare everything. There was issues with obviously the stadium and getting that done. You had people who had to take on different responsibilities that um, kept them away from other things that I think ultimately hurt when it came to ticketing. Um, you had, uh, I think at the outset, the they could have had more people uh, on board in terms of, you know, just st- staff at, you know, at the... Yeah, at folk were doing like three to four jobs at the, at the start of the season. Yeah, so uh, it's there's there's multiple there's multiple things, but yeah, I mean, again, you like I've talked about with a number of times with this this season is you can look at these things as um, you know barriers, or you can look at them as um, you know even failures or whatever, or you can look at them as opportunities to improve and to make things better, or to make them the way you think they should be, or whatever, and so. Uh, because this is a club I care about, that's kind of how I view them. And yeah, well, Vancouver FC had the second lowest average attendance in the CPL this season. It was an average of two thousand seven hundred and twenty-four, which I feel we could say is tickets sold as opposed to actual bums on seats. But what we'll, we'll can I oh, that? Oh, it'd definitely be tickets yeah. sold. And and the I mean, average doesn't look too too bad, but the eye test is like oh. Well, it's the eye test. It's the the yeah. What side the camera's face? It's, there's all kinds of things when it well, comes. Yeah, to that it. doesn't help either. But I, I would say this because I know I know our friend like Greg, for example, has brought this up in the past. Like, for, I don't know how many years now. A year, two years, three years. I used to give the Whitecaps a really hard time about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after a while, I said okay. This is that's the landscape. Like that's how this all all works. That people need to stop talking about that or you know using that as an excuse or or whatever, and like just move on to how can you improve. And so with VFC, that's yeah, that's I agree that that number that number is not an actual an act an accurate reflection of people in the stadium for sure. Because I I know a lot of folk that's had season tickets this season and have only maybe got out to a handful of games. And haven't had people use their tickets yeah, for them. Yeah. yeah, so it's like that's a, a ticket sold. It's a genuine ticket sold. Yeah. I've never had that that issue with the Whitecaps because I, I think that is a fair way to count it. So second bottom in the league, 2724, which is way better than last place York's 1200, which has to be concerning for a team that's already past ownership to the league and there's lots of rumours and things swirling about them, but... I haven't seen a lot of official reports as well of attendance for not just VFC, but like other teams as well. So I've taken all these averages from Wikipedia. So they've obviously got it from somewhere. So we'll we'll base it on this. Halifax led the way in the league with 5,854. Ahead of Forge, 5,318. Pacific were fifth, which I find a little concerning. Averaging 3,241. Just 28 ahead of Valor. And at one point, Valor's attendance was actually above Pacific's as an average. So mm. I think that's a bit of a concern for the, the island lads. Maybe inflated as well, but you guys go over for the derby. No, we were we were not that we were not that many. No, no. Took it up, lie. <laughs> oh, we travelled in our droves. There was 10 buses. We booked a special ferry. It broke down because it was a BC ferry and they took it out of service. But still, we had that ferry booked. No. So we, we counted those tickets. 
No need to embellish. We're not Meyer Bevan. Come on. Oh, hey, Tommy says <laughs> Meyer does not embellish. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, all, all teams bar York showed an increase in last season. Obviously, Vancouver FC did because they didn't play last season. The biggest increase was Forge, who went up 55% in last year, which was like, weird. wow. Yeah. Pacific had the second lowest increase at just a 2% increase. And Halifax was the lowest at 0.5 because they basically sell out. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, they have nowhere to go. Yeah. So far, do you hope to get Derek Martin on actually the show in the off-season to talk about the stadium plans that they have? Because I'm very excited about that. But we're going to focus on VFC in this part. Why fans haven't gone? What would make them go? And some comments from fans that have gone just as to, to what they felt their experience was like. So again, like the Whitecaps, I've kind of split this up into some different categories. And the first one, I've kind of lumped as the name, identity, and marketing. I kind of think it all kind of goes a little bit hand in hand. Uh, yeah, I think these things... Fit, yeah, yeah these things... Are... A lot of it kind of crosses over, but... Jordy Pete says, I honestly think that had they appointed a coach with Vancouver Lower Mainland Connections, recruited some better local players instead of untested internationals, and were successful on the pitch, the crowds would have steadily grown this season to three to 4,000. Marketing is also an issue. Leo's Cansock Goggles says, change the name and logo. Was so pumped for a team in the Lower Mainland until they pulled that naming stunt. Seriously, people think it is an insignificant thing. It isn't. Communities of Langley and Surrey would have rallied around a team with a different name. That's certainly not the only comment in that regard. Travalentine says, he replied to that comment and said, Right, Fraser Valley FC. It was right there. Even Fraser Valley United works. Kurt Thiessen says, Vancouver is a terrible name. Logo is dull. Just looking at the name. Is it too late to change it? If the feedback the club got was, we're not coming because of the name. It doesn't grab us. It doesn't speak for us in the community. Do you think they would look at it? Obviously, York changed from York 9 to York United, but it's a very small change compared to what changing from Vancouver FC to something else would be. Could it be changed? Yeah, anything can happen, Michael. Will it be changed? I, I see. I don't see that happening. No, I don't either. I was just curious to see if you thought there might be an appetite for that. But I mean, we'll, we'll ask Rob that when we not, sit down not, with him. Not that I know of, but like, like I've said on this one all along. Like, yeah, is this the best name? No. Um. Uh, yeah. I. I wish. I wish the name was different. But is it like? Does that? Does that mean that? Uh, is that a like a, a deal breaker for me? No. No. Well, I mean. Yeah, <laughs> I tell you what, I would like to see, but I understand why it is for some people. I totally get oh, no, why. I, I, I totally do as well. And it to me, the name, the crest, the colors, none of that matters as much to me. If it did, I wouldn't support TSS Rovers because East Five's big rivals are Wraith Rovers. So why would I want to support a team called Rovers? But it's because the team spoke to me in other ways. But if the team isn't speaking to you in the naming community regard and it's not speaking to you in other ways, that's then hard to get 
these bums on seats. But what I would like to see in the CPL from league from year six onwards, league wide, is some name changes. This is a whole off topic, I know. I'd like to see Hamilton Forge, Winnipeg Valor. I'd like to see that become their official names. Calgary Cavalry? That's the only one that I think works a bit weird. And Pacific, I think you could kind of still keep. But the league's not not going to do that, though. It might like... Well, you say that, but already, like, Forge's jerseys have Hamilton on their bum. When they were playing but, in the it, Champions but, League, everything was getting marketed as Hamilton Forge. Yeah, it was a missed opportunity by by this season by Jordan Hamilton. I like because that's like a Bundesliga. Like Bayern was the first club to ever do that. They put the name on the top and the player's name on the bottom mm. because the club's more important than the players. And Bayern, yeah, were the first people to do that, as, as far as I understand. Um, but some clubs, clubs in the Bundesliga, put the name on the bottom, which is which Forge has done. So they put Hamilton on the bottom. Really huge missed opportunity by Jordan Hamilton. Not to put his, he should have put his first name on his jersey because his jersey says Hamilton, Hamilton. Oh, that'd be good. Jordan Hamilton. I mean, you don't want Arsenal, though, at the bottom of your jersey. No, that would not be good. Or Scunthorpe. (laughs) Back to VFC. Big one here from Oz Sweeney. So a lot to go through here. I'll try and rattle through this as quick as I can. So Oz Sweeney lives in... Do you want to go back and forth on these ones too? Yeah, actually, we we could do that. So Oz lives in Squamish. And he says, The valley is a pain in the ass to get to on the best of days. None of my friends or teammates have any interest in making that trip, let alone regularly. I get that, but I would also say I don't think that is the target area that they're trying to hit. Now... On the other hand, the club, Rob, has tried to market to as many lower mainland communities. Is Squamish on the jersey as one of the community names? Oh, it's one I of the municipalities. I can't remember. But, it, yeah. but I mean, I, I wouldn't think the club would expect a lot of people to come from, from Squamish to it. They, they were, did. I think they deserve a, a, a big well, pat on the back. There were people who came this year from Squamish to multiple games. Really? Yep. I'm surprised at that. I mean, I know the pre-season they got out in all the communities and they were out in North Van and various things like that, but yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, number two, myself and a number of my friends uh, find Rob Friend off-putting. Uh, he doesn't have any interest in how... Uh, they don't have any interest in how he continues to try and sell his team. So I guess by that, Oz is kind of talking about... Uh, Rob's tried to market this team as a, a team for everyone in the lower mainland as opposed to in the community which kind of goes back to maybe folk feeling oh my dog's growling there either she doesn't agree with Oz or she doesn't agree with Rob Friend we'll put that to a vote and we'll try and find out I mean she fell asleep during the VFC chat I think that says everything about the season that they've had but um, he has tried to market this as it's a BC, Lower Mainland, every area, something for everyone, no matter where you live, club. Which, as a club, you kind of, you want to try and get into as many markets as you can, I would think. But uh, Oz also says, having season tickets, oh, this one's for you, having season tickets next to Curva for seven years with the Whitecaps, the entire section rejoiced when they more or less folded and the few moved. Outside of the Humba and the To-Do's, People were fed up with how repetitive the songs were and generally didn't find them enjoyable for the most part, so don't want to be around the rebranded version. 
you occasionally hear the same songs on the broadcast. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let you respond to that. Now or later? No, let's just... Oh. Uh, Oz is a really nice guy who, uh, yeah, sang with us a bunch and helped us display Tifa a number of times. Yeah, I, I think when he means repetitive, I think he means like long because uh, re yeah. repeating songs in the same half was not something we like to do unless they were specific like goal songs or, or whatever. I, I, I've said to um, you before as well, Cars on the Table, I don't really like that supporting style because it's different yeah. from my UK style. Totally. And I find them long and the longer the songs go on, I find it boring and repetitive. Exactly. But here's the thing about that, Michael. That is... Uh, in the majority of the world, that's how football supporters support their club. So actually, this view is a, a minority view. Obviously, yeah, depending on where you're from, it, it, it's the majority view. Um, and that, and that, but that's okay. This is like it's like flavors of ice cream. You like some things, and you don't like other things. Some things are for some people. Some people are for other people. So I, that, I'm going to reveal something shocking here. No. I don't like chocolate ice cream. I think you've said that before, haven't I, you? I love chocolate, but I just don't like chocolate ice cream. Yeah, so like an imposter for you. Um, the other thing, the other thing I'll say about about com, about uh, point number three from Oz is, uh, yeah, Curva Collective. Uh, well, Fraser Valley Fanatics is not the rebranded Curva Collective. Um, it's actually, if you if you knew the people who are involved, there are people from so many different um, his, uh, historic supporter stripes. Yeah, there's some <laughs> Southsiders there. There's some Swing Guardians yeah. Curva. Newbies as well. Totally. It's like, I, I mean, I, I, I would stress that as well because it's like I've chatted to the guys. This is not Curva Mark Two. No, and this so is and a new supporters group. And some of the songs are going to be the same because that's the, that's the tunes, that's the songs that that get sung all around the league, all around North America, and all around the world. And so, yeah, so this, in terms of songs, I can't remember if we talked this on the pod before, podcast before, but in terms of the songs, yeah, you, you'll you hear some stuff that was sung at BC Place, but we've intentionally, for the most part, tried to use things that aren't currently used at BC Place. So, yeah, there are some, for lack of a better uh, term, old old curve songs that aren't used by other supporters at BC Place, which is totally fine. And now they're, they're used somewhere else, but they're also, mm -hmm. uh, well, there's some, I think uh, you'll find because we have some, you know, Swan Guardian influences uh, that there's some from there as well. And then there's some from other places and there's some new ones. And yeah, again, it's not everyone's cup of tea and that's okay because even like BC place, the stadium is large enough. If, if, if people wanted to do something different. Very true. Also just to, if folk are wondering why we're talking about that in the name and marketing, but it's just because we're going to get, to some marketing yeah. stuff which there's a, there's just yeah there's a lot to, to cover in this bit the other thing about oz is I, I i yeah i don't like you sort of said squamish langley to squamish i don't i don't think there's even though i do know of one fellow who came to a, a bunch of games this year like I, I don't think squamish is the target um audience <laughs> that the you know the stewards of the club are mm -hmm. really hoping will come will come to games even though they are saying yeah they they want they would love interest from across the lower mainland um, I don't think Squamish is like huge on their huge on their target list, you know, of like places they they look, you know, Langley is the the primary. Surrey would be secondary. Yeah, I find it a pain in the ass going from East Van to North Van for the altitude games from trying <laughs> to get over that bloody bridge at times. But anyway, point four. It says you can read this one. Oh, it's me. Sorry. Uh, the handful of fans online find them highly opinionated and annoying. 
more more often than not. I spend a lot of time with Zach and appreciate that he try what he tries to do. I just don't vibe with him the majority of the time and don't want to be around those type of people. I would say there's been a couple of other comments that I couldn't find. Um, I, we spoke about this a little bit before. There's a feeling, actually we might come to that with one of Greg Petrie's comments later on, but there, there's a feeling that a lo- some of the online community for the CPL, League One, TSS Rovers, they kind of look down on the the fans that don't go and support local soccer or don't go and support Canadian teams. And online, just in general, can be quite a toxic place. As folk know, I'm a big wrestling fan as well, and all the WWE, AEW back and forth is horrible. And you get a bit of that with MLS stroke Whitecaps fans and CPL stroke VFC fans. And yeah, I think it's not it's not the attitude to have. Brendan, that's involved in part of your group, he got a bit of a abuse online after I tweeted a video once of folk going, oh, he seems to support all the teams like Whitecaps and TSS and VFC. And it's like, why is that a bad thing? Why yeah. why do you not want... If you're not playing in the same league, why do you not want to support all the local teams? It also goes... A lot of radio stations and media folk have these polls of, oh, who's got... who's Who are you most interested in this to watch this year? Who are you going to spend your money on? The BC Lions, the Canucks, the Whitecaps, the Canadians. Why not all four? Why do you have to be just a Whitecaps fan and go, I'm not going to watch the Lions. I hate the Lions because I support the Whitecaps. It's like there's room for fans, if they want to, to support all the local teams as well as supporting all the different sports. And I don't know why anyone needs to look down on anyone else because they don't support the club or the sport that you want. And I'll say I've been guilty for that when I first moved over here. I didn't understand why hockey fans didn't like soccer. But I've grown up a lot and educated myself about stuff. And it's like totally everyone just let people support who they want without looking down on them. Yeah, no, I uh I, I usually try and stay out of those <laughs> those uh those things when I see them on like whatever X or whatever Twitter, whatever you whatever you call it. Cause yeah, I don't think well one, I don't think that's a great venue to have those discussions. And two, yeah, there it's a it's a lose lose conversation. It's a lose lose conversation. It's a it's a uh uh I can't say it that way. It's a it's just it be, it be, it's like a pissing contest, right? Yeah. Like it's like that's yeah, I'd, I'd rather... It does more damage to, to a game that is still growing totally. and trying to get a foothold here. It's like, I'm a TSS Rovers fan and I do commentary for Altitude. I, I want the Highlanders to do well in the Canadian Championship this year as a League One team, as a local BC team. It's like, you can support to different degrees all these different teams and all these different sports. Anyway... The one, the one valid counterpoint to that, though, Michael, is people have finite amount of time; they have finite amount of money, right? Yes, so, which so is the other thing. Plus, so you hate you're... Pacific, and I hate your shared. So there's that as well. Well, it's not. I don't. I don't hate hate Pacific. They're just now like I my, do hate your shared. They're 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 the the provincial rival club in our in the in the league my club's in. So 
yeah, I want to beat them all the time, and I'm, uh, I'm I, I don't feel bad when they, when they lose. <laughs> but before I had a local club, they were my, they were the BC team in the yeah. league, and I was excited for them, and I was happy for them when they won, when they won the, you know, the. And they've got Stewie the staff. No, sir. Well, and they used to have you know Irving and Bustos and. Oh you yeah, know, you nicked all them, didn't you? Other, other players. So, so did the White Caps used to have them. Anyway, back to Oz. Um, I'll, I'll kind of just rattle through the rest because, as I said, it, it was quite long. I don't know if Oz meant for me to read all of this out, but to summarise what Elsie says, he doesn't watch the CPL, even though he does have Ubo. football. Um, but many others don't, so because of that, they won't watch it and they don't like the personalities that is on the channel. He may go one day if he gets free tickets or he happens to be out in the area, but I'd rather go to Pacific. It would take a drastic turnaround in how the club markets itself and behaves for me to change my mind. I don't want to see the CPL, any CPL team fail, but for the most part, the league's not done enough to really capture my attention overall. We watch a handful of games if we happen to be home for it, but I, I more than keep an eye on it than dive in. And he talked about how Pacific got his attention with Car and how he was in Halifax earlier this year and how they market everything well there. Obviously, they are the only kind of show in town. But this then ties in with the marketing part that we're talking about in this section. And he says... He, sorry, oh, he goes, does he go on to say he's going to move to the island? Yeah, he's looking to move to the island, so he might adopt Pacific then as his team. But when he was in Halifax, he saw the Wanderers were everywhere. But aside from junior hockey, that is the only pro sport in town. So aside from the odd hit on Sportsnet Radio in the morning, he hears nothing about VFC or the league. I get the problems with Sportsnet and TSN generally actively avoiding them, but there's no bus ads or radio hits or anything creative. It may be a flop, but try something to stand out. Stop conforming to the rest of the soccer world. Find weird fun shit that makes your team and community stand out. I think once you do that locally, it won't be long for it to take off elsewhere. Like the CBS hit, I think, where they talked about the league and their amazing jerseys. Yeah, just to be clear, the Callum Irving was on the back of a bus in, in Langley. I don't know for how long and how, Those how many bus drivers. But yeah, I, point taken though. I'm picturing like Roadrunner holding on to the pic- bus. I have, a pi- I have a picture of it somewhere. Oh, I, I, I genuinely it, haven't seen any VFC. I think it's on the back. He was on the back of a bus. I actually don't, like I'm thinking about it. I don't remember seeing VFC marketing really much at all this year. That is something they need to definitely ramp up. Yeah, it did feel like it was mostly online. Yeah. And- Sorry, it was mostly online and connected to local youth football clubs. Yes. Randy Dubbert says, At first I felt getting the club ready and playing this season was too rushed and that maybe 2024 would have been better. But with the unfortunate demise of Edmonton, the league needed Vancouver NASAP to balance the schedule. Although I like the team colours, not a fan of the logo or even the name for that matter. I feel they got it wrong in both accounts. Not sure if you've seen the Penis Birds logo floating around. Oh, I've seen that. Pretty creative. I really wish owners would have selected a name aligning closer to the community. Fraser Valley or even Langley. I only made it out to four games this season. The opener, which was fantastic, and three more. It's a bit of a hike from Burnaby. Factor in having a couple of pops and it makes for a long turnaround. 
I give the team and the City of Langley huge kudos for getting the team up and running as quickly as they have. It would have been amazing to have a grass pitch, but not possible since the turf was already there. Is there any discussion of going to grass, especially with the World Cup coming in three years? Well, that was kind of something we kind of talked about with the stadiums. Never say never. I don't see the appetite from the city of Langley for it unless they can be really shown the benefits, but I guess we'll see. Another thing badly needed is shade. Metal bleachers in July and August, the sun is not a great combination. I know I for one took a pass on at least one game when it was so hot out. I'm certain more than one family thought the same before thinking to bring kids to the game. It might be worth a conversation for the club to look into running a bus or two next season from, say, Swangard or downtown out to Langley. That way fans don't need to worry about tipping a, a few too many and you get a group arriving already in fine form for kickoff. I feel there needs to be a bus, maybe from a park and ride perspective somewhere, but I don't know that the appetite is there for downtown. I don't see that being cost effective. I, I spoke to the Whitecaps before the, the VFC season kicked off, and they've done their market research, and they know most of their fans come from downtown or that side of the bridge. Mm-hmm. And I think... Rob and the club for VFC were thinking, well, we'll take that market up the other side of the bridge. So I, I don't know that that putting a bus on from those areas... I mean, everything's worth trying. I'm not shooting Randy down there. No, but- there, there are a few people who have asked, asked for that. But again, I don't think it it, it uh, the amount of uptake at the moment, anyways, uh, would yeah make it financially it's viable. It's a camel trek out yeah. by public transport to get there. But that, that's the other thing, though, Michael, where going back to discussion point number one, where people's con- concerns are kind of valid, validated, right? If you knew that if you knew that you're primarily drawing from this side of the river, yeah, why not identify more with this side of the river? Yeah. And that, the that's, the that's marketing has been poor. It needs to ramp up big time. And it's like we talked about this on an AI show. I had a big meeting with them back in June about how we could help promote the players, get people to know about the players and get into some of the local communities and businesses. And it was a productive meeting that went nowhere in the end. So maybe that's something we can take up again in the off season, but they need to get out there more. Last thing quickly from Randy, he he has season tickets for VFC this year and he only got out to four games. And he's on the fence about renewing for next year with the Whitecaps being exciting again. The Canadians are always entertaining and playing out the best ballpark in North America. The sports landscape in Vancouver gets crowded for our hard-end dollars, which is what you were also saying. I may renew and end up donating most games to something like Kids Up Front. I really want to see the team and league for that matter succeed. Unfortunately, I think the CPL has suffered some irreparable damage from the whole CSB fiasco, which still seems to not be addressed or reworked, but that is probably only on the radar of the hardcores like us and not the casual fans and families. Yeah, that's good points from Randy. Randy's a, a quality dude. And that brings us on to the next topic of cost, really, as well. You, you can read the, the, the first is one it, here. Is this no E01? I think so. Okay. Uh, I had put a deposit down for season tickets, then saw the price and opted out. Already have a season ticket for Whitecaps. 
We made it to three games and enjoyed it. We'll definitely make it out to a couple of games next season. I think the prices kept lots of people away. What was the price of a game day ticket? Do you know? Uh, not in all. I don't know in all parts of the stadium. I can't remember because I had no interest in it. Yeah, I just realized I took no interest either and looked either. Well, no, I had no interest in any other part of the grounds except for the south, the, the, the south uh, uh, safe standing end. And yeah, I mean... Uh, I, uh, tickets, uh, tickets in that section, like regular price, were I think like twenty five or twenty six dollars if you didn't have a season ticket, right? right? Which, which so, isn't too too bad. But then, but then, and this was this is this is a cost issue. Uh, I know for some people, our season ticket holders, they felt with the club because the club was always, like I said, trying to constantly engage, and this is where their their yeah, approach. We, we had this chat off. Yes. last week they were trying to constantly engage with the the youth clubs and they're and, and and providing cheap tickets to youth clubs and so there were it felt like or there was always um cheaper tickets avail available or there or and then or and then they the, the club himself wanting to get it because part of their goal this year was let's get as many people in to see you know what it's like the stadium the team the whatever the atmosphere and and uh and so then they would put on kind of, I wouldn't say last minute, but they would put on some some promos that were at or sometimes even lower than ticket season ticket prices, right? So that frustrated some season ticket holders, saying, you know, you've devalued my ticket, right? Yeah. Now, now that that perspective, it's, it's a tough one because yeah. you're you're wanting to offer deals. White Caps had this when they had Groupon deals mm -hmm. a, a few years when they were struggling with tickets. You want to offer something that is attractive to get casuals, first timers, whatever, in to the stadium, but you've it's such a fine balance in that then to not piss off your season ticket holders. Yeah. And make them feel, Well, I've overpaid for this, I've been loyal to you, and you've just shot in my bed. Yeah. So some people are feeling that way. Now some people were feeling that way and they were saying, you know, like oh, I can't I can't sell my tickets for what I paid for them. I think that that was always going to be a, a like a difficult proposition, even before we saw what the actual tendencies were for the first couple of games. Aside from the first game, obviously, which you always knew was going to do relatively well. Um, so, like, I like I have a bunch of friends who are like they're like because I they're like I'm not using my tickets. I'm like, oh, can I use your tickets? They're like, yeah, of course. I'm going to bring someone. Or I'm going to invite someone, or I have someone interested. And they'd be like, yeah, of course. And I say, okay, what do you want for your tickets? They're like, dude, it's year one. He's like, I just want my tickets to get used. Like, I, I don't, I'm not looking to make make my money back or whatever. And I think that's for now. I think the, the approach that uh, not everyone is taking, but a number, I know a number of our people have taken. Like, we just want to get people in this in the stadium, get people in the section, and yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, CT Overdrive Sports says something very similar along those lines. Price tag for him is what's keeping folk away his, his white caps tickets are cheaper admittedly he pays a season ticket rate but on mm. average it works out cheaper than a single game rate for vfc he'd also like a few more afternoon games whereas mm -hmm. for me i want more night games because i don't want to go out in the baking sun in the summer in the afternoon but anyway i think me. i think i think they were all afternoon games but three or four yeah that's why i didn't get out to, yeah. to many i was just gonna burn. so he wants he wants them all to be yeah Towards the, towards the end of the season they started having specials and events that got his attention but by then his schedule was already packed 
And that is the thing as well, because folk have so much on and there is so much to do here and so much sp football to support, sports to support, other things. We live in a beautiful city with so many things going on. He also says the distance to drive there from Burnaby is a bit much for him and his little ones. So that's the second person as well that said it's a long trek from Burnaby. Yeah. Which I don't think is that long in the grand scheme of things. But that is something that is putting folk off. Mm -hmm. So if that's putting folk off, you need to then really, really try and clue in in your local Langley, Surrey, Port Moody, that kind of things as well. Mm-hmm. Michael Phillips again says, uh, I'm going to go one year and try to use that $20 deposit I gave them before the season. Although maybe Zachary and the Fraser Valley Fanatics will convince me to come back for another game once in a while. Uh, I, I, Mike, uh, Michael is one of the people who were frustrated over the, the announcement of they were going to have some $100 season tickets. Uh, oh, I think his, yes. I think his understanding was, or the way he read things was, Every season ticket's going to be a hundred dollars. So when, and he was a dude who, due to work, couldn't you know on the day the tickets became available and order of your deposit and whatever or however it worked, um, he was at work and couldn't couldn't even be in his own time slot, and so he missed out on all the hundred dollars tickets and then it was understandably frustrated. Yeah, uh, there were a lot. Of, I, I understand it for strangers as well. I thought the club handled that quite poorly. Because the way it was marketed, I was like, oh, wow, if you sign up by this date, you're going to get a $100 ticket. That yeah. was just me casually reading it, yeah, 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 which most folk would have done. And then when I found out it wasn't, and I was like, oh. Yeah, see, I mean, as soon as I saw that, I asked about it, right? So I knew, because they're like, oh, no, it's not all season tickets are this. We have a limited number. Yeah. The, the other issue to do with cheap tickets and, and things that the club are going to have now is people are going to see that there was a lot of space in that stadium. Mm -hmm. Why would they buy the most expensive ticket when they can just buy the cheap one in the supporters end and then just go and sit anywhere they want in the stadium? Yeah, I, I, because I never went anywhere else in the stadium, I don't know what the security is like. To oh, get no, I, I've but... wandered about with my past not even oh, showing, you so you can wander around. Like the yeah. first game I went to, I wanted to check in all the different viewpoints. Yeah. Easily wandered around to every single area. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Sat in different seats. Because that was a discussion we had with them, you know, leading into the season about these different tickets. Because, like the the those one hundred dollar tickets actually were meant to be kind of standing only on the north side kind of thing. They were they're not meant to be. Ah. So I asked. I said, so if we have one of our people who can get one of those and that's all they can afford you're saying we're not allowed to bring them into our section and they were like not ideally no and we said oh okay well we said let's see how things go and a bunch of our a number of our people i know got those tickets and and used them and we're happy that they got them um but uh yeah there was no issue whatsoever it, it, it happens all over the the when i went down to seattle for the copa america game and i, mm. I got to see yes. messi so I was in the press box, but I noticed there was all these empty seats down the front, which were like extortionate seats. So I just went down and sat there, as did other folk, and folk just moved around into the most expensive seats in the stadium. And Oh, yeah, I did that. The world. didn't care. I did that in Doha a bunch. Yeah. So I, I, that, that's something now that the club's going to have an issue over, because I would be watching that as a cheap Scot going, well, I don't see why I need to 
buy my ticket at the halfway line when there's no one sitting there, I'll just get that cheap one and then just go and plop yeah. myself there. There are some people who do like like to have their seat and like a certain yeah. student spot that like they know oh, that. Oh, I, re- I remember that from the early days in MLS and all the Southsider stuff. Facilities then, talking of the stadium. Corey Mazaika says, as for Vancouver FC, I'll be back next year. It was a fun season. But the lack of a roof for rain and shade in those hot midsummer days was the hardest part. He loves supporting all the young Canadians. Uh, El Canico, I had season tickets this year. Lots done well. Some things to improve. Work with Translake and BC Transit to create transit links from Surrey Skytrain, Abbey, Maple Ridge, Chilliwack, etc. More food trucks, uh, covered stands. More needs to be done by the SG to grow supporters group also. I mean, that that's the thing for you, though. It's like, how how do you really grow it? I mean, folk will have seen it and want to be a part. So, I mean, you've got that tough job as well. The club's trying to grow fans and you need to try and grow the group as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, again, to me, it's like... You, you can look at all the obstacles, the barriers, the frustrations, like like these people have said, lack of roof or the, the last section cost or the, the the first section name or there's all these barriers. Or you can, you know, um, put your head down and work hard to, to, to make the best mm-hmm. of the situation. That's what that's what the Fraser Valley Fanatics did this year. And that's what they're, you know, uh, planning for next year. You know, meetings have already uh, you know, the first meetings have already taken place on on some of the, the some of the preparations for next year. So, um, but yeah, I think there are there are some approaches that uh, I think both the club can take and uh, fans, supporters, fanatics, whatever. Like that, that there are some ways I think we can be intentional about combating combating some of these things that seem to be barriers. And so I know we're we're going to be. I think trying to do some things uh i can't i can't talk about them now maybe down the road and and hopefully the stewards of our club as well will also uh, be looking to address some of them as well obviously the stadium they're trying to get a roof like that's 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 not a secret that's not a whatever like they're trying to do everything they can will there be one in 2024 i would say absolutely not oh Um, really uh, 2024 i don't see it happening but no one's told me that i just don't see it happening um I think they have to work on some deal with transit. The Whitecaps as well. Like, if and it's obviously easier said than done because Translink and the the bus companies or whatever have to also get something out of this to allow free travel on March Day if you show your ticket or. How does that work in Europe? Because that's how it is. I know, but not at all in, in Europe. Like you don't get that in the UK. Oh, still, okay. it's like it doesn't work. My, so my first experience was was when, my first experience in Europe was going to the the German Cup final, and I didn't have a ticket for the match. I just went and I met some Bayern supporters. They're like, oh yeah, we, they were like ground. Uh, they were sort of like groundhopper dudes. They loved the challenge of getting a ticket. So we're like, yeah, we'll get you a ticket, no problem. And so they got me a ticket, and then I was going with them, and I was like, we were going on the the S Bahn or something, and I was like, uh, where do we pay? Like, what do I got to do here? <laughs> like, I don't, they're like, oh no, you have a ticket. It's 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 part of your ticket to the game. Well, that. Happened to in the like, Olympics. I know. I was like, like are you one? I was like, are you crazy? This is crazy. Yeah. And it's that it was the same when I was there at the World Cup, and same. Um, it was the same in Doha, although that was a little different because it was tied into your 
your visa for being in the country. And um, but yeah, the other times I've been in Germany, Germany was the same thing. You have a match ticket, you have free access to the, the public transit. I mean, even if it wasn't free, just a, a deal or put on these like shuttles and get folk from these areas. But you so, have but the, to get in the areas, and they have to market the hell out of this club. So, in the but the, the shuttle, the shuttle thing, Michael, you can only do if there's demand. Oh, so, absolutely! Like you can't put on a loss-leading shuttle and you, either. And you Folk can have only, to then use it. And you can only know if there's a demand in two ways. I would say in this is if you have all these people showing up to the ground, uh, or I can maybe three ways. Just you know the people showing up, or whatever. Two people communicating with you. Right, people contacting the stewards of the club saying, "Hey, look, this is where I'm coming from. We need a shuttle from whatever. Uh, what's the end of the line in Surrey? There, uh, not the not the mall, but the one after the mall. Um, King George, I don't know. Yeah, I think is that no. Anyways, whatever the end of the line in Surrey, right? If people from people were saying we need a shuttle from here, and they knew there was demand, that that that's another thing. The other thing is then it's the stewards of the club." going out and reaching out to people and and engaging with people like you're talking about uh, and finding out how much of a desire or how much this would help them uh grow the the, the ticket base or whatever and none i don't think i think all those things are time consuming and not super easy um and so it'll be interesting to see how that how that develops if it, or if it develops there was a comment i got and apologies if i've missed this out but i don't see it in the last little bit we've got to go over where folk were saying as well there's nothing round about the area so yeah. it's not appealing then for them to go yeah to that game no that's that's true there's not a lot around there uh but there i have been told there is there's things coming because yeah someone from the city i think replied to a tweet saying oh we're working on that there's going to be more more things coming that was probably michael pratt he's a he's a good guy ah maybe um, no th so there's a there's a tailgate culture that has has developed that i think has been ah. um you know nice for people in fact at the last game um there was at least i think two or three or maybe even four tailgates that were happening one of them you would have loved i should i well, didn't take pictures pies, for obvious pies no it was uh it was uh, David Osted and his family and a bunch of players and families from the, the clubs that he's a part of or whatever. And they he it was so funny because he pulled up kind of next to me in the parking lot. He got out and he was like looking where the other tailgates were and stuff. And I was just like, I got on my car. I was like, Dave, what are you looking for? <laughs> he's like, I was just like, oh, he's like, I'm just looking for like, where can I tailgate? I was like, uh, wherever you want, Dave. I said, there's was people it all there. like pickled herring and no, it was they just had candies and snacks. It wasn't they didn't do like a barbecue or anything. It was like candies and snacks and drinks for like all these kids. And then they had all these games. Oh, for kids! I was were... gonna say that's that's not a tailgate. That's... Oh no, it was like a tailgate for children. Like, that's it was a pretty... bean feast. No, anyways, it was it was it was it was really interesting. There is the, the soonest the the closest place uh, and the 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 soonest. Uh, I don't know the timeline. I don't know if it's next year or the year after or sometime in between. Um, is uh, across the street from the the same. I think Kitty Quarter, diagonally across the street from the the the, L, the LEC block, there is supposed to be uh, a, a a district or whatever growing up there. That there is supposed mm. to be a pub going in there. So Did everyone, you... the talk is that that will be kind of become a a place where people will gather and then walk over from. When I first moved here, I'd never heard the phrase Kitty Corner. Confused the hell out of me. Is that right? Then? Kitty Corner is the angle across, right? I still don't really know. I just think it's got something to do with cats. Oh, there you go. 
uh, genuinely folk were like oh it's kitty corner i'm like what, what are you talking about this is a cat corner it's... Did, you, did you say i'm a dog person yeah screw those cats <laughs> is it is it do, kid- do you love my pussy that's the other thing is it actually kitty like a cat or is it kitty like a child i don't even I, know <laughs> i have no idea let's get on to the last I'm bit here which is about supporting other teams and not having time to also go and support vfc so real kevbo says made it out to my first match last friday and while i did enjoy it my capacity for more football is already capped with white caps and tss rovers not to mention getting there from actual vancouver as someone who doesn't want to drive it's inhibitive and my cpl team will always be the eddies yeah uh, kevin came and hung out with us at the last game which was which was really nice kevin i've uh I have a lot of time for Kevin. We, uh, really, some really good discussions where, because Kevin's the, the kind of guy where you can uh, disagree on things and yet share your opinion uh, in a passionate way. And so, yeah, he, he actually asked some really great questions uh, as we were hanging out. Uh, I think it was, was it at halftime or after the game? He was asking some really, really good questions. Um, and he's, yeah, uh, someone who's, uh, I think, also known for helping um grow football supporter culture you know in the lower mainland and, and across the nation so yeah i have a lot of time for kevin sorry would you like me to read the next one yeah <laughs> all right tim tim altman uh who's a white caps fan uh he's a part of uh i think he's he might he used to be a south side member for sure I think but he's in the prawn side he, he is for sure a prawn sir but at some point he was a at least a, at some point was a member of the south side as well uh, i'm not really interested in supporting lower tier clubs not enough time energy to devote to anything other than the Whitecaps first team. I, I mean, that... That sounds like a, a Prawnsider. <laughs> I only do the, the top, the, the, the first but, team. But I mean, it, there is only so many hours in the day. Yes. I know folks say to me all the time, like, do you never read a book? But I'm always like tweeting <laughs> out, oh, I'm just watching this game from New Zealand. It's like, do you, do you ever go outside? <laughs> um, the positive Whitecaps troll says, I may be petty, but the Hundle comment kept me away. I was planning to support both teams until then. I've also heard some unfriendly things about Rob Friend and some of the supporters who've moved over rubbed me the wrong way. As I've said before, just too many wankers. The, uh, the Shan Hundle comments, though, for a lot of Whitecaps fans, was a big thing. Yep, yeah. And but the club know that. Totally. But I would say again... I don't disagree with your earlier comment about why can't someone like a, a Brendan or whatever, uh, Brandon, a, a Brendan, why can't you support all the local clubs if you want? Like, that's not a bad thing that shouldn't be looked down upon or looked with, looked at with any type of derision whatsoever. Um, I, I would also say though, that um, it's, it's not abnormal for people to only have one club in a sport mm-hmm. or, or one team in a sport. Right. Yeah. So yeah, when, like Tim, it's like oh, he, it's white caps. That's what it is. We're we're going to hear from Greg Petrie in a sec as well. We're not here, but we're, no. we'll read his final comment. But, but all that, like, to, yeah, all that to say is that I don't think that again, white caps fans are like the primary target audience for you know those who are stewards of of Vancouver FC. Well, you say that. But without, sure, they'd be happy without, for it. Like, they, if, you, if you look at the Venn diagram, they mm-hmm. need a big crossover, which is why they made sure none of their games clashed with Whitecaps home games. 
well, not clashing with another another local team. That's just common sense. But I, 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 I totally hear what you're saying. There is a, there's for sure crossover, but like, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that that's their their target. I might be wrong, but I don't think that that's really their their target audience. Again, that doesn't mean that you can't be fans of both because we know that there yeah. many many people are. Let's, I, let's I've get got the- my little Venn diagram of Whitecaps, Vancouver FC. TSS Rovers, Altitude, BB5 United. Have I missed anyone? Civic? Josh Hurd? Uh, I've kind of gone off them a bit. All right. I've Should... soured on the Tridents. There you go. Should I get to Greg Petrie? Yes. This is a this is a long one. We can do this in stages. No, no, I'll do it. Actually, it's not that too long. Yeah. No, it's not. Uh, first, I've actually been to one VFC game this year versus Auto, but think I still qualify for the spirit of the question. Essentially, I don't attend VFC games because, for better or worse, the Whitecaps are my club. That already consumes a lot of time. Though you don't know, Greg serves as a part of, uh, or he has. I think he still is a yeah, like, ombudsman yeah. for for the the Vancouver Southsiders. Um, I'm not opposed to lower league football, but when I get out for that, it's to attend WSU games for free as a white cap season ticket holder uh, or uh, a league one uh, game on occasion. I have no allegiance to no allegiance or real interest in VFC and dislike it when I'm told by some fans that I should because it's Canadian. That's the way you were talking about before. Yeah. For the record, I'm in the Pitt Meadows area within about 10 to 15 minute drive to the stadium. So convenience isn't a concern. And as an FYI, I don't think I've ever seen any sign of the club in this area, i.e. advertising or merchandise. Naming themselves Vancouver and trying to declare the entire region of Vancouver as their community is so, so bad. Just a complete failure to understand their market. Even with a roof, the stadium is nothing special. It's generic and modular and frankly boring, and I don't think there's any real way to improve that. It's absolutely fine for a community stadium, but not for any sort of professional outfit. I would never want to be there on any sort of too hot, too cold day, and walking beneath the exposed metal beams is extremely odd. I've heard from a number of... It is. I I still find that odd. Oh, I don't disagree with that. Uh, I've heard from a number of people as well that they're really... They really tried, sorry, they're really, really tired. tired of double standards when it comes to VFC versus the Whitecaps. That that something the Whitecaps did is unprofessional and VFC doing the, the identical thing is it's okay for now. Why it's, it's sorry, it's why I'll, I'll occasionally, politely I hope, point it out, which which Greg has done a, a number of times. Yeah. I mean, definitely some good points there. Again, he stays in Pet Meadows and he hasn't seen any marketing. Surely that's an area you want the club to, to get into. I've got some really good ideas for them that if we ever sit down with them again, I will re-pitch about trying to get out into these communities. But I do agree with them with the stadium. It's better than I thought it was. Like when I walked around it, it's got some nice viewing angles. It just, it feels unfinished. Because mm, it I is. Do- yeah, I don't like the look of it just because it's all metal. Yeah, it definitely from the outside, it's like really off-putting. When you're in the when you're in the section, it or you're in this you're in a you're in the you're in the seats or whatever. It it it. I don't know. I don't notice it, but yeah, when I, anytime I'm walking around, you're just like, oh yeah, when is when is this going to change? How is this going to change? We've had conversations with the stewards of the club to say. Yeah, what's the timeline or what is this going to look like? Is it always going to look like that in this part or is 
what are your what are your plans what is it the township plans and all we've really been told is that yeah they're Things are not the way the stewards of the club would like um, due to uh, how the township has done some things and they're doing their utmost to try and remedy some of those and to obviously work towards large scale uh, improvements, including obviously a, a roof. Hmm. Well, that's the end you will be glad to know of our attendance chats for Whitecaps and VFC. I found it very interesting. You might be listening to this bored out of your head and I've fast forwarded through the show, but I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and just I just want to say, like, yeah, it's good to hear people's uh, perspectives and opinions on all of these things. I know, um, like you said about some of the stuff on Twitter or whatever, like it can become kind of confrontational, negative, and whatever. Yeah. And like, I personally like it's good to hear feedback like this. It's good to hear. Yeah, I uh, agree. It's good to hear you know people's perspective, even when it's. Uh, negative against me as a person, or or some of my friends, past or present. That that's okay. It's good to it's good to know that. And well, it's I'm pretty to... sure the White Cats will listen and take stuff on board, and VFC will also listen and take stuff on board. And you need that feedback to improve. Yeah, I guess the feedback most folk would give to us to improve is try and get your shows a little bit shorter. The White Cats haven't even been playing, and you're gonna have a three hour show, which is longer than when they are playing. <laughs> Which is my way of saying there's still one more part to come. We're going to be talking CPL under 21 minutes, looking at the playoffs this weekend and bringing you this episode's wavelength. We'll be back with all of that after this. Hi, I'm Maxim Kipolf and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's former Artist of the Month here at AFTN from Russia with love, Ice Peak, the band that had the number one song in our first ever festive 15 last year. That's a new single from them, just released this month. It's called Hey. Well, they feature in the top 15 in our festive 15 this year. Well, you have to wait till December to find out. Much like Moscow Death Brigade last week, it's always good when these 
anti-government Russian bands bring out a new single or post something on their Instagram posts just so you know that they're they're doing okay. Because I think we've seen a lot of things over the years with, with bands such as that. I mean, you just have to think of Pussy Riot and everything that they went through over the years. But Ice Peak, one of my favourites, one of those bands I discovered during lockdown and very grateful for it. So I hope you enjoyed that one. We're going to continue the CPL chat in this part. And a, a subject that we touched a little bit on a few shows ago and I said I would bring you more audio about it. And that is the under 21 minute rule in the league. So for anyone that is unaware, in the Canadian Premier League, every club has to hit 2,000 minutes for under 21 players over the course of the season. If clubs don't hit those minutes, they would forfeit their playoff place. And heading in to the last couple of weeks of the season, things were getting a little bit touch and go for, for some of the teams as to whether they were going to hit those minutes or not. In the end, all eight of the teams did hit it. But it's, it's very interesting if you look at the actual stats. Although all eight teams hit it, five of those teams just squeezed over the line. Bottom of the pile, York United, playoff team, hit their threshold by six minutes. Halifax Wanderers, playoff team, hit their threshold by 32 minutes. Atletico Ottawa, who just missed out in the playoffs, hit their threshold by 34 minutes. Cavalry, regular season champs, hit their threshold by 44 minutes. Forge FC, second over the regular season, hit their threshold by 52 minutes. Very interesting for me there. Out of the five playoff teams, four of them make up the bottom five in getting those minutes over the line. The only team that kind of made the playoffs and blasted those minutes out of the water, Pacific FC. They were third overall, hitting 2,674 minutes. At the other end of the table, regular season standings table, the bottom two teams, bottom of the pile, Wooden Spoon winners, Valor FC, second bottom, Vancouver FC. Both of those teams absolutely hammered their under-21 minute threshold. Valor clocked 4,390 over the course of the season, and new boys, Vancouver FC, top of the pile, 5,203 minutes. Great, developing young talent, but it did throw up the question, can you win in the CPL and still clock up thousands and thousands of under-21 minutes? Based on this season... Vancouver and Valor would kind of make you indicate no. It needs to be carefully managed over the course of the season. And the teams that do go young, the teams that give those under-21 guys a lot of minutes, end up not getting the results and struggling at the wrong end of the table. So part of the reason that we had this discussion a couple of weeks ago, Halifax were in town to play Vancouver FC 
And there was a few Halifax under-21 players in that game because they were really having to to get those minutes on the board to get the team over the line, which they did in the end. And one of the kind of ways that Halifax achieved that was that they played a lot of their under-21 under players in the away games. So they didn't play them at home where they were strong, but they did play them on the road where they were struggling to get results. An interesting way of doing it worked for them. They hit their threshold. They got into the playoffs in third place, hosting a playoff game in the semi-finals. But it was after that match, I asked Patrice Geyser, the head coach of Halifax, just for his thoughts on the under-21 minute rule, because they were obviously getting down to the wire. And it was his comments after that match that kind of got me thinking a bit more. Zach and me had our discussion on an earlier show about it. And then I've kind of asked a couple of other coaches for their thoughts on it as well. So first of all, let's just play you what Patrice Geyser said about that under-21 minute rule. So winning of the games is the most important thing. For me, the young guy minutes, and I've said this, I think uh, the league idea is amazing, but uh, coaches playing players to fill a quota is never going to help a young man's career because you play him, and I question, you know, if it's my opinion, you can look at the stats. A lot of the players who played U21 last year that are no longer U21 are not in this league. And that's not fair. You need to make them sustainable. You need to make these players better pros. And I thought, you know, you could see that our guys are growing and they're in a better situation. Halifax head coach Patrice Geyser. For me, absolutely spot on. I think there has to be a better way of managing this. Playing these players just to get the token minutes, just so you have to hit that threshold, doesn't do the clubs any good, doesn't do the fans any good, and it doesn't do the players any good. As Patrice mentioned there, a lot of the guys that were under 21, as soon as they weren't eligible for the under 21 minutes, have left the league. They're no longer in the league. That is not the kind of development that you want. The flip side of that, though, is some clubs like Cavalry have developed top young talent and they've sold them on over to Europe. That is the way to do it. You look at Vancouver FC, you can be pretty sure TJ Tahid is a guy that Vancouver FC is going to want to try and sell on, James Cameron as well, and they feel that getting these minutes now is going to make those players more marketable, more saleable, get bigger money coming in for them. And they are probably right. But it's a it's a fine line of balancing getting a winning team in the park, hitting these minutes and doing it properly for the sake of the club and for the sake of the player. So different clubs have different approaches. Spoke about Vancouver FC's approach there. Spoke about Cavalry FC's approach there. Let's hear from both head coaches of those sides just now just chatting about their thoughts on the under-21 rule, how it could be tweaked or improved going forward. And is it just a case of playing these guys as a sort of check-ticking exercise? Well, let's hear the thoughts of Vancouver FC head coach Afshin Gopi and Cavalry FC head coach Tommy Bolden Jr. The under-21 rule in the league while it's good for the development of young players. I'm curious, first of all, just for your thoughts on it, do you feel it's been a little bit detrimental to your chances this year? Because I think it's interesting that 
the top two teams that have smashed that under 21 minutes are the bottom two teams in the league. I think there is a, there are a lot of cultural, social and uh, conversations about uh, uh, different regions of the world. Uh, uh, young people mature in different ways. So we have in North America, especially in the United States and Canada, I think uh, players that are 18 and 19 are very different than, let's say, a player that's 18 and 19 in European football. Uh, and I think it has a lot to do with the experiences, education, and also just the geographic. A player that's uh, been raised in Europe is getting a really good football education at very young ages. And then with a, just a short train ride or a bus ride, they can go across a border and play a team with complete different tactical uh, profile and, and style and language, culture. And that I think those experiences help players mature much faster. And and so I think young players in North America need they they we, we consider them at 21, 22 still young and in Europe they're almost there at the time where they have to decide whether they're going to be footballers or they're done. So having said that, I I, I think you you we need a rule that challenges coaches and challenges uh, uh, clubs to give younger players a chance. But maybe better yet, uh, we should create a professional under twenty one league and give these players a chance, not just one of them, not just two of them, not three of them, but many of them, so they're able to play regularly 90-minute games and develop themselves and then at the right moment come into the senior team. I think maybe that step would be a, a vital step that we can take for the development of, of football in Canada and, and, and even CPL. Uh, because I do believe that sometimes an under-21 player gets a chance to play without really he, him deserving it, without being good enough. Then all of a sudden, they overestimate themselves. They get overconfident. Uh, and in my opinion, maybe that's not also good so much so good for the development. Uh, and even their price in the market uh, is raised for the wrong reason. So uh, these are things that we should discuss more and find the right solution that's pragmatic and uh, and applicable to the, the the circumstances that we face in Canadian football. I mean that's very interesting because one of the things Patrice Geiser had said when I was talking to him about this was he feels that sometimes these players are just getting minutes because they have to, and then as soon as they get over twenty one, they disappear from the league. Do you think maybe an under-23 threshold would be more beneficial? Uh, I think th these are, again, up for discussion. And I, I don't think there's one magic wand or magic rule or one simple thing we can do. If, if really the conversation is about how do we develop more young players, I do believe that we need different tiers of professional football to give Canadian players at different ages chance to play at the highest level. Uh, the J uh, Japanese football model, I worked in Japanese J-League for four years as uh, head coach at S-Pulse, and uh, they basically had created a 100-year rule. They created uh, first, second, and third-tier professional football, and they allowed a lot of young players coming to playing third-division professional every every week, playing 90-minute games, playing uh, meaningful games. And even though some of those players were signed on big clubs, loaned to the smaller clubs, playing third-division. And then at the right moment, they came into the first team. I think creating a rule and forcing teams to play by a rule of a certain player just because of his age uh, creates a, a very artificial environment that maybe in the long term doesn't benefit the, the player or the game. 
just about under 21 minutes. Just to get your thoughts on it, when you look at the struggle it's been for some teams this year and years past, and it's maybe telling that the two teams that smashed the minutes are, are the bottom two teams. Just what's your general thoughts on the under 21 rule? Yeah, it's interesting. Everyone's got their own strategy. Um, I'd argue that ours is the best. We've sold, if you look at uh, the players, Victor Latore's been sold to Ross County, Aaron Peppel sold to Luton Town, Mo Farsi uh, playing at Columbus Crew, Gautain Tigny sold to FC Annecy. These are players that have had to come in and compete for minutes. We, we, te- we tell all the players that come in and all our under-21s, yes, you've got to play it, but you've got to compete against other players pros that actually have earned that right so we're not going to gift you minutes you have to earn it so if you do well you'll play more if you if you don't we're not just going to do it just for the sake of running up that table we'd prefer to compete at the other table and also give these players the opportunity they've deserved and I think by in doing so you've we've been able to combine the balance of development and performance would you like to to see the limit dropped or would you maybe even like to see it as an under 23 rule instead just so that one of the things Patrice had mentioned when I asked him about it was when you look at the stats a lot of the guys they just get the minutes to hit the numbers and then once they hit 21 they're out of the league so do you think it is right or it would under 23 work a bit better? Yeah, possibly. Um, there's some merit to that, and I'm sure that's a deeper discussion with the the commissioner and the, his technical committee. Um, I like it because we've had success with it. Um, so the data point to counter that is clubs around the world contact us about our next up-and-coming players because that's it. And I think that's why this rule was in place. I think if you add it, maybe there's a grandfather rule of something because you don't want to see a player that's banked a bunch of minutes to then say at 22, he's no good for the league, right? It is it is a fine margin, so I really understand that one, but it certainly works in terms of our perspective of, 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 of helping players get to the next level. Ashin Gopi, Tommy Fielding Jr. there, just chatting about their thoughts on the under-21 minutes. We, we've already kind of spoken about it on our previous shows, Zach, so we won't delve over that again. But one thing I do want to say, which kind of touched upon there with the two of them, should it be under-23 minutes? Would that serve the purpose of the league a little bit better? If you're not going to do that, should you lower the number of under-21? Could you have under-21 and under-23? I just feel if clubs were maybe even mandated to run or collaborate on League One sides or have youth teams in various leagues, it would help address this development factor. I don't think it helps the clubs, the leagues or the players to just play players for the sake of playing players to get those minutes in and as we saw some clubs just hit the threshold and no more this year yeah I I wouldn't necessarily in this moment say I'm opposed to that idea Michael of altering it or u 23 in it instead of u 21 maybe or whatever I'm, I'm I I don't know I, I I'd like for now in this uh, era of the league I like that they are stressing the development of of young Canadian players, I think what what I, I think some of the coaches and some of the the clubs have looked at this as like, oh, this is a 
this is a problem, right? Like, how, oh, how can we do this and be competitive, for example? Yeah. And that's a, a that's an important thing. But I think what it also should push clubs to do is to then either find or for those who are maybe more connected, because some of them are more connected already to their the surrounding communities, is to find those good players that are young and bring and bring them into their club or bring them, you know, sign them to first time deals or whatever. You know what I mean? Like yeah, like the fifty one hundred or fifty two hundred or whatever minutes that that Vancouver FC played, part of it was uh, because we had some players, that, like we had a, a young squad. Some of it was out of necessity with injuries and suspensions and whatever, but a, a significant amount of it was because those players were actually playing well or contributing, mm-hmm. right? Like I think you look at, uh, you know, James Cameron and TJ Deheat are like, you know, the two biggest examples jump to mind. And I know there's others in the squad who made significant contributions, but both those players I think were worth every minute they played. And so I think it's it it the clubs have to be more intentional. I mean, the other thing I liked about it this year, we, I was talking about this with some friends uh, yesterday when we were watching the games. Is you look at the 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 trade that Vancouver made with with Cavalry, yes, you know, bringing, bringing in a trade. I guess it was they they transfer swapped whatever. They brought in a, uh, an experienced winger that they were lacking that could help with possession and creativity and even goal scoring in Mickey Cantav. And they sent one of the kind of young, hopeful players with a lot of upside to Cavalry, who needed younger players to help with mm-hmm. their minutes. And we've seen the upside that Mile brought to them as well. He's been excellent totally. with them. I think I think that's a uh, I think that's a, a deal, if you will, that helped both teams really, really well. And from a perspective of developing young players, I think it was great for for Henri. Like I think, yeah. You know, look look at the goals he scored. Look at I mean, the opportunities he got, and yeah, excited for him because you know we we got to see him score some goals. So um, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, should it be changed? How should it be changed? I don't know. Uh, the the these clubs are not at a place where they can afford to have their own youth system. Yeah, that that I do appreciate. Plus, you also don't want to piss off the local youth clubs. Exactly. So it's by a, having it's, that, but having more. They should definitely be more involved in League One. These affiliations that were kind of started last year is a possible way forward. Yeah, I think that was that was that's helpful. And yeah, can that grow or can that expand? Yeah, maybe. But again, I, in terms of like actually running something else, I think that mm. the uh, I think that the, again they're losing. We've talked about this before. They're losing more than enough money for for right now. So I don't think there's any appetite for for that. But I, I and I would also say, it helps you to work with clubs, right? To build relationships with clubs, formal and informal, where you can then bring through their their best players and give them an opportunity to to uh, play professionally. You heard it here first, Vancouver FC, the feeder team to the Whitecaps. So moving on, that's what I heard, Zach. Saying. Moving on just to round the, off our CPL chat. The, the Whitecaps were denied multiple times to try and, you know, get TJ to heed from, from Vancouver FC this year. And um, I think, uh, yeah, I was really happy <laughs> happy about that and happy to see him play for the U-17s, which was which was really awesome. And Well, if and- you don't want him to win an MLS Cup as I win my $810, <laughs> that I just, you're a bitter old man, Zach. <laughs> No, well, it's just, well, I mean, it's partly because of the, the, the story. Of, so of if how... they don't win the CPL, or if they don't win the MLS Cup, and I don't win my $810, I can blame... TJ Tahid? Yeah. 
Sure. Okay. Um, but but it's no, it's it, it, it honestly though, it is a thing where he was told if you don't play for the us, you don't play for the Whitecaps, you'll never play for the national teams. And it's good to see him prove that wrong and that there is not uh the people can't gatekeep things the way that they have in the past. I mean, in the past, to be fair, if you weren't with one of the big academies, you weren't getting to play on the national teams, but and, and here's an example of, of how you don't have to. Well, we'll just round off our CPL chat with a quick look at the playoffs and how they played out over the past week. The action kicked off on Wednesday. Pacific beat York 1-0 in the 4th-5th playing match in Langford in front of a, a poor crowd. And we kind of talked about their attendances earlier. Adonijah Reed's stoppage time winner stopped the game heading into extra time, which is nice to see that extra time is in play in the playoffs in the CPL although yeah. it hasn't been needed so far. There was the one controversial moment. Did the ball cross the line? Did it not? Never mind VAR light in the CPL. Do, do they need some goal line technology? I don't think they did on that play. I think they got the call right. Um, I mean, the bigger thing was they also got the call right on the offside on the bicycle kick at the end of the, the death of the oh, match. Oh, yeah. Would have been a, like... I, you, if you, Bit of stunning oh. equaliser. You know CPL was excited about it when they like they put it on all their feeds saying, this didn't count, but we wish it did. <laughs> well, that win for Pacific set up Saturday's semi in Halifax as the Wanderers hosted Pacific in the, fuck, that's a really long way to have to go to play a game derby. And it was settled by an unfortunate Zachary Fernandez own goal in the 37th minute where he just kind of fell over the ball, his feet, everything. Yeah, Halifax threw everything at Pacific for the equaliser. They hit the bar a couple of times. There was penalty box scrambles. So unlucky. Yeah, Daniel Henry went through Gazdorf as Pacific took time wasting to the nth degree. I really turned against Pacific in this. Like, yeah, I I, I, I don't mind game management and stuff, but this was ridiculous. The players I, just fall to the ground. I didn't tweet it out. I was I, mean, I was going to, but uh, I will say um, both Reed and Gazdoff embarrassed themselves in yeah. this match. But I will say, to the credit, of, again, I think so far there's been a lot of frustrations during the league campaign. I would say in all three of these games, that maybe this one the most, a lot of credit goes to the official because I feel like he had it added on like a, an adequate amount of added on time in the added yes. on time. Um, and so, um, he gave. It was good to see that. Yes, he gave Hal he gave Halifax the benefit of the doubt and gave him opportunity to try and get that equalizer. And uh, would they hit, they hit the was it two three crossbars two crossbars in a post? I can't remember. They hit three woodworks, didn't they? Two crossbars. For I, sure. I remember two for sure. Yeah. So then, and then, I mean, it, it was it was a, like you couldn't take your eyes off this game. I, I I watched all three games. I thought all three games were really really engaging, and uh, I, I I wanted to watch them, you know, start to finish. Um, but this one, you you like, yeah, this was the best. Couldn't part. go get food because you're like you're gonna miss something, and and at that end, like from the moment, uh, no, from from the moment on, uh, Danielle Henry came on, but the 80, 81st <laughs> minute. He, those that because it went to what 101 or whatever that next 20 minutes or so was like end to end like both teams could have or maybe should have scored maybe multiple times it was it was yeah it was really uh it was really great 
feel gutted for the the privateers and the wanderers fans. Uh, yeah, me too. I I I actually liked Daniel Henry after this game. Partly for him going through Gazdorf, I thought that was good. It's like, oh, you're going to just time waste and go down. I'll give you something to go down for. Yeah. But then there was the afters afterwards, which was understandable because I wanted to fight Pacific at that point, uh, proceedings. Well, you've wanted to fight Pacific since the first years. Yeah, very true. Um, but Daniel Henry and Dada Luke from Pacific both got sent off after the final whistle. Doesn't matter too much for Daniel, but for Dada Luke, he's now been suspended the, for two games and he's out yeah. of the rest of the, the playoffs. Which is Insane. a huge, a huge loss for them. He was the man of the match, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so stupid Yeah, to let yourself get drawn in like that. Yeah. So whether he instigated or, or whether started, he, yeah. Or, yeah, or whether he's drawn in, he is uh he is someone who likes to have a go, that's for sure, based on the the four matches against Vancouver mm-hmm. this year. Um, so I, I don't feel, I don't feel bad for him, especially if he started it or even if he responded, I don't feel, I don't feel bad for him, but I feel bad for, in one sense for James Merriman, cause that's going to hurt, hurt their, hurt their yeah. approach. I mean, George has been like great playing left back for them. Yeah, which he's he, done really well. Uh, and, and it's allowed that Luke to be, to hold things down on the right. And they changed up their formation. They went to a four, four, two, which really frustrated Halifax, which James, I think said in the post game show was their intent, I think in a game earlier this year, but they had to change it at the last minute because of an injury, uh, in the warmups or something. And, um, but yeah, it was, it, it was an enthralling match. Um, it was one of those matches, despite all these chances and posts and, or crossbars or, or whatever and drama, um, I think the combined expected goals. I was, was going to say, if you mentioned fucking XG here. Sorry, it was only like 1.27 or something. It was like 0.86 and 0.41. So the expected goals were really low, and yet the game was really. Well, my eye test says I expected lots of goals because of all the chances that were getting. Oh, treated. exactly, exactly. They just went on target. I, it was, yeah, enthralling's a great word for it. It was, it was a fantastic, fantastic advert for the league. Mm-hmm. And I. I, I do feel for James losing Dada Luke, it's just such a stupid thing to lose a player for. And I feel for Patrice Guys and everyone by Halifax as well because they battled so hard. One last thing about that. I, I felt bad for Fernandez on the own goal because oh yeah, it, it kind of whatever, I think he doesn't get it right. But also, Fillion, what's he doing so far out there? Like, um, Kakuda only had one place to go. And so well, yeah, we, why should, would you we should mention as well it was it was all Kakuta's work goals. that created that, yeah. He created both their goals in the cup. Oh yeah. He put in the cross yeah. for Reed's goal. Yeah. Saturday's other match was the biggie. First v second, whoever won it hosted the championship game. The old foes of Cavalry and Forge with a chance to get more bragging rights. Twenty three of their twenty five meetings have been settled by one goal. So it wasn't really a surprise that this was another one of those. And it's a Jesse Daly own goal in the 29th. I'm giving it to as an own goal. I have no idea why they're giving it officially to Horshapur. Kaduchi yeah, punches the it off that, the back of Daly. They put that on the screen that that was moronic. Yeah, yeah. so it's on Google and everything that that's, that's the score. That it's be, like, that it's not. Yeah, that needs to be changed. It's an own goal because Marco tried to punch it away. It just happened to come off the back of Daly. And then I in will, the back of the net. I need to say that for a moment I was really excited because I'd actually thought, you thought it, it was Meyer Bevan. <laughs> I thought it was Meyer Bevan and I was I I didn't really I want thought to, that but I was I was just like I was like, oh but yeah, uh, unfortunately it hit daily and not Meyer yeah. Meyer's giant noggin. It hit the Aussie instead of the Kiwi. Yeah. 
Kyle Becker got a second in the 50th and then Forge were in Dreamland, but then Cavalry threw everything at Forge like Halifax did in the Pacific game. Joe Mason grabbed amazingly his first of the season with 10 what minutes to go. I think there was... Was he injured at the beginning? He was injured at the beginning. I don't know. There, there was mumbles of him not being happy at the start of the season, so I don't know. That's what it was. But it was a barnstorming finale in this as well. And then Cavalry just couldn't get the level. You feel if they'd just scored a little bit earlier, they would have got that equaliser and sent it to extra time. The amazing stat, Cavalry have not won a playoff game in five seasons. They haven't won a playoff game ever? That's what they said. Maybe, I know maybe they're never, meaning ties as they, well. They, but. They've never, they've never for sure, they've never beaten Forge. They've played, going into this game, they played Forge five times, four losses and a draw in that home and away thing in the first year. Um, but yeah, is it the whole playoff? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That is crazy. And they, yeah, so they're hosting Pacific. Yeah, so they now, yeah, the whole Pacific at home on Saturday. The winner then goes to play Forge on Saturday the 28th, which I'm gutted by because if it was the 29th yeah. in Calgary, I think I can go. I can't go in the 28th across the country because I'll be commentating at UBC. Whitecaps playoffs could have a home game that day as well. Yeah, I'm working I'm working that day, so I was sad that it wasn't in, in uh, at Spruce Meadows. The only plus point I see from Cavalry is they don't have two weeks off which I think is a bad thing to have going into a championship game. But they'd rather be hosting the championship game and have that, I'm sure. Yeah. the the uh, I will say, too, yeah, this playoff has been great for CPL. Yeah. And I hope that these last two games are at least at that level. Oh, or, me too. I or, think, or better. I think they will, but I don't think Pacific will come and sit back, or I hope they won't. Because Pacific need to get to the final to get in the Champions Cup as well and win it. Otherwise, it's going to be Forge that's going to be in. But yeah, Yeah. it's been fantastic. That is it for the football chat. Pretty much it for the show. Actually, it won't be it for the football chat because I'm going to chat a little bit about football for this episode's wavelength. East Fife were in Europe. A European Cup tie on Saturday. I mean, officially, it was the F. SPFL Trust Trophy, which is the Scottish Challenge Cup, but the Scottish authorities let in Irish and Welsh teams into it, the champions. So once before, East Five got drawn to play away in Dublin against Bohemians, and the match got called off with less than an hour before kickoff with all these East Five fans over in Ireland. Bohemians then forfeited the tie and East Fife went through. This time around, they travelled to play the Welsh Premier League champions, TNS, but they don't play in Wales. They play in England on the Welsh border, 12 miles from Wrexham. So East Fife went down for that game, took over 120 fans, five and a half hour journey, so bear that in mind, VFC, when you go to Pacific. And it was a 2-2 game, very exciting. They lost in penalties, well done to TNS. But the reason I'm mentioning all that is I listened to the game on TNS radio because it was meant to be on TV, on S4C, but because Wales got into the rugby and were playing that day, East 5 TNS got shunted for a Rugby Mm. World Cup. Terrible. So I listened to it on TNS radio and they had this song playing, which I loved 
Got in touch with him during the broadcast. Had a bit of banter during the broadcast as well, which was good. To find out who it was a by, it was a specially commissioned song by a group called Saints Alive. I'm going to play it for you now. It's called Dancing in the Streets of TNS. It's there! Against all the odds! Celebrations out on the pitch! Maybe it's time for you all to know All of the places we plan to go And when our future comes to pass You know we've got the strength to last And when the old boys shout out loud Heads out high and they stand so proud And when the bells all ring And the boys all sing For the lads as they take the crown Maybe it's time for you all to know All of the places we plan to go Saints Alive there, dancing in the streets of TNS. TNS stands for the New Saints. It used to stand for Total Network Solutions, who were their sponsor, but they're not their sponsor anymore, but they've kept the TNS name. 
So good luck to them. They're the Welsh Premier Champions. They were in the Champions League this season, Zach. They lost to BK Hacken in the first round. And now East Fife were playing them in a cup tie. The best thing about the radio broadcast was the TNS chairman was drunk as a skunk and got on the radio as TNS equalised to make it 2-2. And, oh, man, that was... It was cringeworthy, embarrassing, but also so hilarious that you've got a drunken chairman going... Oh, you take that, he's five. You couldn't come here and get the job done. We're gonna go and win this tie now. Oh my! Yeah. So basically, what I'm saying is, Greg Carefoot, get on the mic, drunk, on the radio games for the Whitecaps. Oh, I guess radio would be his thing because then he doesn't have to be seen. Oh yes, still no one knows who he is. We also shared on AFT and Twitter a, a nice little video of the East Five goalkeeper. Dancing, wiggling his bum about, twerking as the fans were chanting at him. So you can check that out. But that is it for this episode of the show. Before we go, Zach, it's been a long one. What's your final thoughts? Anything funny catch your eye this week? Remembering funny. it's two twelve in the morning. No, I just want to. I, I from my closing thought, I just want to give a shout out to something you give a shout out to often. Um, is the the YouTube channel, the AFTN YouTube channel? This week I watched your. I don't know how recent or how new it was, but your your highlight footage of the uh, uh, Croatia Croatia West Side. That's about just two yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. You, you do a great job. I, I can see why all these VMSL people use your highlights to analyze certain things. And thank you. I, I love doing these games. I need to get a bit more professional equipment. Clubs keep asking me to professionally film their games. I'm like, dude, I'm just standing with my point and click camera on the bleachers. Yeah, but no, it lo- it looks good, and I'm sure for them it's really really helpful. And so, yeah, if you're into local football or you want to see some local football or some um, highlights from the past, go check it out. And also, Michael will be posting there more in the future. Yeah, I recommend as well. There's a few other places doing it now. Sports Revolution do some official a weekly highlights game for VMSL. And there's also now a company called Smart Runners that have started doing a, a game a week as well. So there's three of the six games are kind of getting filmed on a weekly basis now, which is great for the league and great for growing it as well. Nice. I don't really have anything funny left to say. It's been a weird week, but I've enjoyed this show. I always talk about, I love the off-season shows when... There's no actual football to to talk about on the pitch and we talk about other stuff, which we, we've done here. Got some interviews lined up. We'll have some Whitecaps interviews. Yep, we will have some Whitecaps interviews. Coming Are you up sure? In the, I'm almost certain that we're getting the interviews done this week or next week. Got some Vancouver, end of season, Vancouver FC end of season interviews coming up along. I want to get some other stuff done in the CPL and non-playing wise as well. Maybe we'll get Messi on the show. He's got nothing else to do now as well. We'll see. We'll, we'll reach out to Miami. I'm sure they'll be accommodating. He loves to talk to the media. He loves to talk about digestives. Oh, I'm sure. Oh. Or, well, I want to know what his favorite jam is. Don't you? He strikes me as a gooseberry. <laughs> Something exotic like that. Lingonberry. Oh, well, yeah, maybe. I can't think of any Argentine no. fruits. Anyway, as I said, it's 2.15 in the morning now. It's been another long show. We should wrap things up. Let everyone go to bed. 
We'll well be back with another episode soon. Until then, thanks for listening. Stay safe, take care, and mon, the caps. Get that top four finish and prove her wrong. And fill the stadium. Bye, everybody. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.